Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning as we begin another week here. And we have a lot, uh, really, truly a lot to get to. Throughout the course of the show tonight, as we kick off the month of August, I guess it was technically kicked off yesterday, but uh, August 2nd, um, but plenty of stuff to get to throughout the course of the show. We'll get to the Phillies later on, who very, very predictably uh, came up with a big win on Sunday. Uh, they beat the Pirates 15-4. to um, We'll get to that a little later on. Uh, and again, like a, a big win and... and you win one of three, which is very disappointing, but I don't know what Joe Girardi was doing in this game uh, with the two pitchers that he recently acquired. I just don't understand it. Um, we'll get to that a little later on in the show. We'll get the comments, a very interesting comments made by former Phillies pitcher Spencer Howard, who was doing his introductory press conference in Texas with the Rangers and... Let's just say Spencer Howard is not very upset about the change of scenery. So we'll get to that a little later on. We'll get to some sound um, from the Hoop Collective podcast in regards to Ben Simmons. And it's not very encouraging. Uh, NBA free agency, by the way, starts later on tonight at 6 p.m. We'll see if we get any news during the show today. I mean, some things have already started to leak out. It appears when free agency opens up, one of the Sixers' targets will be off the board. Uh, there was some speculation as to whether they would be involved in any sort of sign-and-trade scenario for Kyle Lowry. It appears Kyle Lowry will be signed and traded to the Miami Heat, um, and that's really the first domino that could fall on Saturday, on a Monday night. But obviously it should be a very interesting day in the NBA. We will get to that a little later on in the show and an update on the situation uh, regarding Carson Wentz and his injury status, which is obviously going to be a source of interest in Philadelphia, will go a long way to determining what kind of draft pick the Eagles get for that trade, whether it's a first, whether it's a second, and you know that could make a difference in regards to what the Eagles could do uh, with those picks, whether it is going out and pursuing a quarterback like Deshaun Watson 
or using those first-round picks in other ways. So we will get to that later on as well. But where I want to start is with the Eagles and the team that is currently in Philadelphia, the players that are currently here in Philadelphia. As we are about a week into training camp at this point, it's starting to get real. I believe they will put on the pads this week. We are just 10 days from the first preseason game. And I, for one, didn't really realize how much I'd miss preseason football. But I'm looking forward to having it back. And, of course, that'll probably mean, well, you know, we'll watch a quarter and, and you know, likely remember that it's preseason football and it's not real football. Um, but it's still interesting. It's still fun to watch. And I did miss last August not having those preseason games as a little appetizer leading up to the regular season. But we're about a week into camp at this point, and we will begin talking more about the Eagles, obviously, as we move forward and as we move toward the regular season, as uh, six weeks from yesterday will be the opening game with the Eagles and Falcons down in Atlanta. And over the next few weeks, as practices continue and the preseason gets going, there are many things that we are going to have our eyes on. The left tackle competition, obviously, with Andre Dillard and Jordan Mulata. That's, you know, one of the big stories coming into camp here. And in this early stage, it certainly seems as if Jordan Mulata has the upper hand. Uh, he has been the guy who has looked better so far. And I think that's pretty much to be expected, judging what we've seen from each of those players on the field the last couple of years. Dillard was obviously injured last year, didn't play very well in year one. Mulata, when he got his opportunities last year, I thought did a really nice job. The Eagles have developed him over, what, three, four years here. And it seems like they're reaping the, the rewards of that developmental time. And Jordan Mulata seems, at least for the time being, to have the upper hand. We'll look at the wide receivers to see who emerges. Devontae Smith, who did not practice on Sunday. I, I don't believe he practiced on Sunday. Dealing with a little injury, not thought to be anything serious. Hopefully he's on the field next Thursday night when the Eagles open up the preseason. You know, the defensive line, I think, is going to be one of the big strengths of this team. The improved secondary. Obviously, the play calling in Nick Sirianni. Like, there's a lot that we will look at and talk about as we lead up to the regular season in a couple weeks. But let's face it. When we look at this team and we look at this season, the biggest factor, and there's really no doubt about it, is Jalen Hurts. And... I honestly can't remember a time, as I mentioned to Ricky during the crossover, when we were in this situation at quarterback. And if you, you know, remember a time, uh, I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to get in, we'll, we'll open the phones, 215-592-9494, if you would like to get in. But, you know, this kind of situation where you go into a season and you really have no clue what to expect from the starting quarterback. Like, there have been years where quarterbacks have surprised us, both positively and negatively. Carson Wentz in 2020, in a negative way. Carson Wentz in 2017, in a very positive way. 
Nick Foles in 2013, even though he didn't start the season. Like, we weren't talking all preseason about Nick Foles. It was a quarterback competition that year with Michael Vick, but we all kind of realized and I think figured Michael Vick would win that competition, and he did win that competition. But typically, going into a season, you have a reasonable expectation of what to expect from the starting quarterback. But the range with Jalen Hurts is significant in terms of where the way he could play and how wide the disparity is and what the disparity could be depending on how some people evaluate him and how some people view him and how others view him. And I, for one, and I've said this before, I liked what I saw from Jalen Hurts last year. I thought he did some nice things. I thought he did a good job entering into a difficult situation, a team that obviously didn't have a lot of cohesion, a a situation that was awkward with the current starting quarterback, a guy who at that point was the face of the franchise, who obviously did not deal well with being benched. Like, I, you know, there were no reports that Carson Wentz like was working against Jalen Hurts within the complex, but you did see leaked reports and all this stuff about, you know, him wanting out, and, and it just didn't seem like a very healthy situation. And for Jalen Hurts to do as well as he did in that kind of environment where there was this kind of awkwardness between the quarterback, the quarterback being Carson Wentz, and the organization and the head coach Doug Peterson – I found that to be impressive, that that stuff didn't really seem to affect Jalen Hurts. And he was able to move past it, he was able to overcome it, and able to do some nice things with a skill group around him that wasn't great. I mean, I'm not going to make the excuses for him, because I don't like when people would make those excuses for Wentz, and Hurts played better than Wentz, and I do think you got to grade it on a bit of a scale, considering Jalen Hurts was playing his first action in the NFL, and Carson Wentz was a five-year veteran. But he did a good job in, in when all things could be considered in that limited action. But at the same time, while there are encouraging signs, it is hard to evaluate truly. I mean, there's a lack of tape. He had some issues as well. Um, but, you know, you come into this season now, and, like, I could see a scenario where Jalen Hurts shocks us with his play. And, you know, isn't the most polished passer, isn't a guy that's sitting back in the pocket and dissecting a defense and doing all those things, but because of his skill set, because of his natural, intangible football ability, I mean, I could see Jalen Hurts coming in and playing akin to the way Russell Wilson played in 2012. And that's not to compare him to the player Russell Wilson is now, but if you remember back to Russell Wilson in 2012, his rookie year, He came in as a third-round pick. It was a surprise that season when he won the job from Matt Flynn, if you remember that name. He was the big free agent quarterback that the Seattle Seahawks had signed at the time. And Russell Wilson came in, won the job, and did some nice things as an undersized player in his first year. And nobody thought that he would come in and be a viable starter and immediately had a great year and took that team to the second round of the playoffs and has been the guy in Seattle ever since. Like, that isn't likely, 
But that wouldn't shock me if Jalen Hurts came in and played that way and was very impressive and fit in immediately. And you could just tell, okay, well, this guy can be a starting quarterback. And we don't need to look elsewhere because Jalen Hurts has that kind of ability. That wouldn't shock me. I could also very easily see a scenario in which Jalen Hurts comes in and we know, like, five games into this season that he's clearly not an NFL-quality quarterback, that he can't make the throws that he needs to make at this level, that he is not a quality starter, and that the Eagles do need to look in another direction, and they do need to go out and, and examine their options. And this season does turn into a rebuilding year and one where you hope he improves, but you kind of know this isn't the guy. And the odds are, are, are clearly that it's going to be somewhere in the middle. But it's really hard to know what we can expect reasonably from Jalen Hurts in year two. And it's what this entire Eagles season is going to hinge upon. Like, we can look at, you know, all these other things. Like, as, as I said, the left tackle competition and the lines and where this team is strong, because I do think this is a pretty decent roster. Like, if Jalen Hurts is a, a a good quarterback this year, I absolutely see this team in contention to win this division. There's no doubt in my mind they can do it if Jalen Hurts can play up to that level. Because if he does, I think they could be the best team in the division. They could contend for a playoff spot. But if he's not, they could very easily win four games and you know the whole thought process of what you have changes and based on the reporting out of camp it's kind of been what you'd expect he's been up and down there have been some really encouraging signs and there have been some times where you look and you you say and and based on the reporting I read Elliot's whole piece on 94wip.com that I'd encourage you go read where he kind of breaks down Jalen Hurts performance so far in camp where you look at it and there have been these moments where he's looked really good and there have been these other moments where you get a little worried. And some bad signs as far as accuracy and throwing the football. And it's very hard to know what to expect. And that's kind of where I want to start tonight. Is a week into camp, where do you stand on Jalen Hurts right now? Do you believe... He is going to be a quality starter for this team this year. And this is clearly going to be a topic we will discuss a lot over, not just the next couple days, but the next couple weeks and the next couple months, because Jalen Hurts is the story of the Eagles season. And the way Jalen Hurts plays is going to determine how this season plays out and how this season ends up. And in many ways, what the future of this franchise is barring some shocker and then making a trade for Deshaun Watson in the next six weeks. And as we approach this season, I want to know how you feel about Jalen Hurts as we enter the real days of training camp ahead, the preseason coming up in about a week and a half, and the regular season coming up in a matter of weeks. Where are you right now on Jalen Hurts? Do you think he's more likely to you know, be a top 20-ish quarterback where I think that would, if he's a 15 to 20 
ranked quarterback in the league, I think that's good enough to win this team's div- the, the division for the Eagles. Or do you think it's more likely that we get into the season and this guy's clearly not the guy? Uh, I can't remember a time where there's been this kind of, of wide range of what to expect because usually we kind of know what we have in a quarterback. When Sam Bradford was here, you kind of knew what Sam Bradford was. You knew the way he was going to play. You knew the kind of the floor and the ceiling. I think the floor for this team could be three, four wins. I think the ceiling for this team could be 10, 11 wins. And all of that in between, uh, and it all comes down to the way Jalen Hurts plays. 215-592-9494 if you want to join. 215-592-9494. What are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts, where you're at with him as we continue to move forward with training camp right now? Uh, Tom in Alabama, you'll be first after the break. Uh, and then you, if you would like to join. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. I have a social media gripe coming up in the next segment here um, having to do with something that happened on Sunday night. So uh, we'll get to that coming up next. But to start the show, uh, your thoughts on Jalen Hurts as we enter this season. Because let's face it, this Eagles season, and we will talk about a number of different topics surrounding it, but it's about Jalen Hurts. And whenever you don't have a quarterback, it's about finding your quarterback. And whenever you do have a quarterback – it's about, you know, his progression and how he can lift his team. Because let's face it, it's the most important position in all sports. And, you know, we say that a lot, but we say it a lot because it's true. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't you don't have a chance in this league. Like, you, you just don't. It, 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 there's no way you can really give yourself an opportunity to do something legitimate. And that's why, uh, you know, when you look at this division uh, – I think most people at this point, maybe not, maybe some people would say Dallas, but I think a lot of people would tell you Washington is the favorite. And yeah, Washington's got a a very good roster. They got a hell of a defense. They got some decent skill guys on offense. But I mean, I'm not taking a team that's quarterbacked by Ryan Fitzpatrick seriously. I'm, I'm just not. Like if you don't have a legitimate quarterback who can raise the level of the guys around you. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown he can do that in short spurts, has never shown that he can do that for a team consistently. I don't think you're a real contender. Can Jalen Hurts be that guy? Could. I mean, I I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a large leap to say that you're just completely confident. And I think some of the overconfidence in regards to Jalen Hurts lately amongst many has been more hopeful than it is based in reality. Um, And, you know, that's kind of where I am is I'm hopeful. uh, But based on what we saw last year, I'm hopeful based on what we saw last year, rather. Uh, But, you know, you don't really know about a quarterback until you see more. And uh, it's going to take a lot of time uh, to determine whether he's the guy. I mean, hopefully it does, because if he's not the guy, I think we'd be able to tell that. Uh, pretty quickly, um, but this is going to be an interesting year, and I think if Jalen Hurts is 
a you know serviceable quarterback, this team can win the division. If he's not the guy, uh, this season could go uh, very, very badly. And I think there's a very wide range there of what could potentially happen. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Tom in Alabama. What's up, Tom? Hey, Tom. Thanks for always being cool, man. Oh, what's up, man? How's it going? Oh, it's going. Hey, uh, before you kick me, I want to say something about Wentz, all right? Sure. But as far as Hurts, uh, you know, I've seen him play a lot of, uh, I'm not going to say meaningless games, but a lot of runaways with Alabama, you know, when nobody else is watching, you know, the homecoming games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I've seen him a little bit more, I think. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to be curious to see because he's got a hell of an arm. Actually, he's got a little bit too much of an arm because of accuracy and you're going to be surprised once he gets going. I mean, that ball comes and it comes quick. If he can get that established, especially I think Ertz is really going to be an ally here because he's going to feel like he's got something to prove. Maybe they could mesh together with Smith. But the Eagles would not be doing would be doing him a big, big favor if they could get a running game established, Tom. Because believe me, I mean, you know how it is. I mean, the defense wins championships. But they got to get a running game. That's the thing that I hated about Peterson. Pass, run, pass. It was so vanilla, but with speed now. And they got a guy, uh, Johnson, who went to Auburn. He was the SEC player of the year in 17 as far as running back. Right. You know, so hopefully, you know, but Hurts has got to settle down, though. He cannot leave that pocket before it breaks. That was the biggest frustration I had with him here in Alabama. Well, yeah, and that that's the thing with him, Tom, is is if Jalen Hurts is going to be an NFL quarterback, like I think he's most dangerous when he does get outside the pocket and he's on the run, but he's going to need to become a better pocket passer because you can't just – that can't be the main thing in your game. It can be a skill, but certainly if Jalen Hurts is going to become – a legit NFL quarterback, he's going to need to improve and become a much better pocket passer. Well, he's a mature enough young gentleman to where I think he gets it. I mean, that guy has really been, uh, I mean, a a shining light for Alabama, even though he transferred. I mean, you know, the story came back in, championship game, ACC and all that. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see, and I just hope I'm not sitting here frustrated with that, but, you know, I'm going to look for Seriani. You know, he's a young guy, too. He's got something to prove. But Ertz with him should be good, too. And, uh, and we got the speed and all. But when uh, – I, I didn't even know. Can you help me out? What happened here with I saw that some kind of foot well, injury? Yeah, it's a foot injury, Tom. Now, they don't know – like, it, it's not a consensus whether he needs surgery or not. Uh, he could either get surgery now or he could try to rehab it and hope it gets better. Uh, and it looks like that's the route he's going to go. He's going to try to rehab it. He's going to hope it gets better. But if it doesn't, he's going to need surgery, and that would make him miss more time. And this just developed. Yeah, well, it's second day of practice. So on a Thursday or Friday, he suffered the injury. And you said it, a blessing in disguise, man. Do you know that the Colts paid him a $10 million signing bonus, too? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to me, Tom that Howie Roseman was able to get out of that contract with the way he played last year, his injury history, I think the Colts were out of their mind, and I think Frank Reich um, was just, you know, disillusioned, and he thought back to what Carson Wentz did in 2017, just like a lot of fans here did, instead of recognizing he's just not that player anymore. 
Well, you said it. Howie Roseman has truly been not giving enough credit, let alone to unload that stiff with the money. But with the picks we got, you know, good job on Howie's part. Tommy, I appreciate it, dog. No, appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. And, and I'll get more to Wentz a little later on, but it's it's one of those situations where, you know, and I think Frank Reich was victim to what, a lot of people in this city have been victim to is believing that Carson Wentz is something he no longer is like Carson Wentz. Yeah. He, in 2017, he was a tremendous quarterback and nobody can ever take that away from him. And nobody can ever t- take away the fact that he helped this team win a Super Bowl. He was a big part of that team. And despite my feelings on Carson Wentz, I've never denied that fact. I never will. And, and that's something you always must acknowledge when, you know, it comes to his story and what ended up happening in Philadelphia, but he's just not that guy anymore. And, you know, the injuries have taken its toll physically, the injuries have taken their toll mentally, and uh, we'll give you the updates a little later on on Carson Wentz. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, what Howie Roseman did to get out of that contract and get any sort of value, let alone a third-round pick and – either a first or a second, it's it's insane. It's it's tremendous value. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. And I did want to get to some sound here on Jalen Hurts because it is obviously the big story in camp of how Jalen Hurts looks and what he is going to be. And Howie Roseman, um, you know, I think, you know, when we, you look at what happened in the offseason and it was more about, and this is why I, I – don't understand people needing the Eagles to proclaim Jalen Hurts the starter. Jalen Hurts, barring injuries, going to be the starter. But the Eagles didn't trade Carson Wentz because they had any sort of great confidence in Jalen Hurts. They traded Carson Wentz because they knew Carson Wentz wasn't the guy here and wasn't going to be the guy here. Um, But I do think Jalen Hurts legitimately has impressed them, and there's a reason why they selected him in the second round to be Carson Wentz's long-term backup is they saw a guy who they thought they could plug in and could play well for them. Here's Howie Roseman on the level of confidence the Eagles have an org- as an organization currently having Jalen Hurts. Well, obviously, when we did a lot of work on Jalen coming out, we drafted him in the second round. And then you look at what he's done. We talk a lot of times about the jump from year one to year two. And this guy has done everything possible to put himself into a successful position with his work ethic, with his studying habits, with his leadership. And so I think for us, like like Coach said, we're looking for him to grab the reins and go and follow him as it goes. Now that all comes out here as we start practice and as we start the preseason and training camp. And... You know, that's kind of the things that you hear about Jalen Hurts is that they like his attitude, they like his his leadership, and and they like what they've seen in him so far. Here's more uh, this time from Nick Sirianni on what he's seen as far as the growth from Jalen Hurts. The growth where we want to see is just that acceleration in the offense, right? It's just getting better um, and more reps at the offense. This is the first time we've had 11-on-11 team period. Right, so these are some of the first times he's run these plays. Now, maybe he's run a version of these plays, but there's some plays that he's never run before. So it's, and that we can't get enough of that. Whether that's in the film room, whether that's on the on the field, he's just got to continue to take these reps. And I, I'm so confident in Jalen 
is he is a, he's a gym rat. He's just thinking about football all the time. That's what I love about him. And so he's going to use those mental reps, that's for sure. We just got to get him more reps out here on the field. And that's one of the things you hear is that Jalen Hurts is a workaholic. And that's really – if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you need to be that way. Like, you need to be obsessive about your job, and you need to be obsessive about getting better and learning – you're correct, and he is currently in with the number ones as expected. Here's Nick Sirianni with more on that. Well, right now, you know that right now we're Jalen's in with the ones, and he's working with the ones, and he's earned that um, because he's worked his butt off, and he and you know we're hoping that he takes the reins and and rolls with it, and and continues to just get good reps with the ones. And I think that's one of the things the Eagles really are looking for this training camp and into the preseason is for Jalen Hurts to truly take control and you know that's a situation where I always thought Carson Wentz felt uncomfortable in that area as far as you know we know he didn't really connect well with his teammates Um, we know that he had issues kind of relating to guys in the locker room and I think that's an area where Jalen Hurts is a strength of his is that he will show that leadership and he will take command. And here was more from Jalen Hurts on what he felt Nick Sirianni meant um, by making that statement about taking the reins. I just think that means go out there and, and be, you know, be what I, I strive to be, you know, the best quarterback I can be. I think that that's enough. So going out there, working, effort, relentless every day and executing, you know, it's all about execution. And, you know, obviously it's got to be somewhat of a, an awkward situation maybe because of the situation the Eagles are currently in and the fact that they are clearly looking around at other quarterbacks and a guy like Deshaun Watson where, you know, we've talked about the Deshaun Watson situation at length, the legal situation that's outstanding with him, and there's no doubt despite that the Eagles have interest and I understand from a football's perspective why they would have interest this is an incredibly talented player who if he became available would be an upgrade on the field over Jalen Hurts certainly here's Howie Roseman on the homework the Eagles have done on other QBs around the league have we done homework on quarterbacks who may be available? I mean, we have a short list. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, how, how extensively have you looked into those options? Well, I think our job is to always evaluate every option at every position. I mean, we're always constantly doing that and looking about what's going on in the league. And um, we do that before the draft. We look at next year's draft classes at every position and try to figure out the strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, that's what we're doing during this time period. We're watching tape on guys. We're looking at guys. Um, and we're making sure that, you know, we're ready, one, in case of injury, and also for any position that <coughs> trades become available, you know, being ready for that. I'm obviously not going to talk about anyone who's property of another team. Um. Now, I do think that's pretty funny, and I, 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 that's one of Howie, Howie's go-to moves is where he kind of acts like he doesn't know what reporters are talking about when obviously the question is about Deshaun Watson. And here's more from Howie about being linked to other quarterbacks around the league. 
Well, I think we talked about Jalen and how he's done everything possible off the field and during the spring practices to take the reins. And we want to see him do that. You know, I think this is a big year for any player who goes from year one to year two. And so we're excited to see that and see his growth and working with the ones. Um, and hopefully that happens. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I, I always find kind of funny is that whenever there's a name bandied about, the Eagles are kind of associated with that, you know, and, and I understand um, because we we have more draft picks, high draft picks going forward that that's probably going to be continual as players become available. But, you know, we draft these guys for a reason. We're really excited about the development of them and um, excited to start practice. That's another funny one, too, because like, uh, well, I, I guess we're in these conversations because we have a lot of draft picks. No, you're in those conversations because you're in those conversations. Like, you're being mentioned in those conversations because you legitimately have interest. And, of course, they do. And, of course, Howie's not going to say that. But we all know that the Eagles have interest in Deshaun Watson and any quarterback that would come available around the league. And, you know, there's no doubt about that. Now, the question then becomes whether that's something – that would affect Jalen Hurts. And here was Jalen Hurts uh, when Howard tried pressing him on that uh, last week after, after practice. How much, do you, how much do you think about all the chatter that goes on about a possible trade, not mentioning any names? And obviously, what chatter? What's that? What chatter are you talking about? Well, the, a quarterback from it's another team. A lot of team. chatter that goes on. Yeah. <laughs> well, a quarterback I'm, I'm from above another it all. team. I'm above know. it all. I'm above it all. Control what I can. I'm here. Um, that's that's what I'm doing. Go out there and be the quarterback for this team. Now, with a lot of guys, I don't think you'd necessarily believe that. That they wouldn't pay attention to it. And, you know, I don't see any of this stuff. But with Jalen Hurts, maybe I'm being naive. I actually believe it. Like, I don't think this is something that, will affect him. And I think a lot of this comes back to this experiences that he had in college, where when you come from Alabama and you come from Oklahoma and you're in these kind of high profile programs that are in these kind of quarterback controversies, for lack of a better word, like Jalen Hurts was at Alabama, you know, this is a situation where he's kind of been through it before. And, you know, I do think he's probably numb to a lot of that talk and that he's focused on himself and what he can do and what he can control. And I do think that is a significant difference between him and Wentz because you look back at Carson Wentz and whether the Jalen Hurts pick um, affected him, I have my own theory on that, which which we'll get to in a little bit here because I think it was much less about the selection of Jalen Hurts and much more about the things that were going on with Carson himself. But... You know, I do believe that this is stuff that's that's not going to affect Jalen Hurts. And as the Eagles look ahead here and they look to, you know, possibly improve their team and keep track of the Watson situation and keep track of whatever quarterbacks they could potentially acquire, I truly don't think this is a situation that Jalen Hurts will be affected by. And I want to know how you feel about this as well. Is Do you think, like, the Eagles' interest and the Eagles being talked about in all these trade rumors and Deshaun Watson and stuff like this, do you think that this is something that would affect Jalen Hurts' play on the field? I don't. And I think it's maybe his biggest strength 
and his biggest skill is that he is mentally tough and he can tune those kind of things out. And he does have those kind of intangible factors that you need to be a starting quarterback in this league. Like you can't be worried about that kind of stuff. You got to go out and you got to control what you got to control, what you can control and give them a reason not to be involved in talks for Deshaun Watson. Give the organization a reason not to pursue those kind of situations further. And while Jalen Hurts may have shortcomings on the field and you can have questions about his arm talent, whether he can make all the throws, stuff like that, I don't have questions about his personality. And I think his leadership and his mentality is the biggest reason for hope when we look at what could potentially be with Jalen Hurts this year. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But I want your thoughts on what to expect from Jalen Hurts and whether you think these kind of trade conversations, the speculation, could affect him going into the season. I don't, and I, and I think that's that's a very positive thing for him mentally and a very positive um, thing for the Eagles, that you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff with Jalen Hurts. 215-592-9494. Stephen Tampa, you'll be first when we get back. And I have a social media gripe to throw out there as well. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. I did want to give you a social media gripe real quick. First, I'll give you something good I saw on social media, though. Uh, I know Ricky was asking about the interest in the Olympics. Dan Wilson producing tonight. What's your thoughts on the Olympics, Dan? Have you had much interest in this? I saw yesterday. It was kind of annoying. While we were on the air last night, apparently there was like a seven-way playoff in golf, and Xander Shoffley was winning the uh, winning the gold medal. But you can't I, – I, I'm having trouble finding ways to stream this stuff. Obviously, I was on the air, so I couldn't watch it. Our TVs in here are broken, so I wasn't able to – wasn't able to enjoy that. Yeah, the overall Olympic coverage has been bad. They've been putting some events on Peacock, some only on streaming. So they haven't made it accessible to watch. But whatever is on, like if you're not looking for a specific event, I love the Olympics because at all hours of the day, even if it's something that was the previous night because it's the other side of the world and now you're watching during the day, like there's always something on. It kind of adds to my sports routine of channels if I'm you gonna, will i'm gonna try to stream if i can do it this women's soccer game at four o'clock i'm actually somewhat interested in that and so. the women's team is oftentimes more interesting than the men's team i actually find it so yeah i so there's interest there the basketball games i know have been some of them have been on peacock and people haven't liked that aspect of it but i i do really like the olympics and that would sound like people kind of roll their eyes when you know you get into certain weird sports but i enjoy at one o'clock in the morning, just turning on the TV and saying, oh, hey, here's like a random water polo match that's like super intense and going down to the wire. For whatever reason, once every four years, I can get into sports that I would have no interest in otherwise. Well, did you see what this woman, uh, Sifan Hassan, did uh, in the women's 1500 meters? Yeah, she fell down in the final lap. Yeah, they were showing it on the TV here. She falls down and then literally sprints to the finish and wins. It was incredible. She, If you didn't see it, Look up uh, Sifan Hassan. Sifan is spelled S-I-F-A-N. It's one of the most amazing athletic things I've seen. Like, these are against all Olympic-quality runners. 1,500 meters, I don't know how much that, uh, what the equivalent of that is 
in terms of, of miles, but it's, it's it seems like a long distance. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not. A, an well, 400 expert. meters is once around the track, right? Okay, so, so it's close to a mile. So that's pretty, yeah, they're yeah. just short of a mile then. Uh, but she falls down. She's literally at the back of the pack, and it's her again, like ten other people, and it was like a a, a heat. It wasn't the final, so it wasn't. You know, she didn't win the gold medal, but she wins this heat. She falls down. She's way behind all the other runners, just blows past all of them. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And it's nuts because when they do these heats, they do them on a track. Like, this isn't, if you go to like a 5K or a 10K, or you see the Broad Street run or the Philadelphia Marathon, whatever, they're on a wide, like, street down a path. This is on a track. So she is literally constantly fighting for position. I don't know if you saw the video of it. She's like trying to weave her way in. So she actually, the run. Further, as a result, having to go around all of them, basically laps, not fully laps them, but gets around all of them, gets in position, and then finishes just ahead to win the heat. Yeah, I did see it, and it was it was incredible. So uh, that was a good thing I saw from social media. So if, if you want to, you know, look that up, I would tell you to look that up. Now, my social media gripe has to do with something else. Are you a big soccer guy, Dan? No, not at all. Okay. Well, the the United States on Sunday night, played Mexico in the Gold Cup final, I guess. So it's basically, I think it's um, all the countries in, in North America. It is. Um, yeah. So they compete for the Gold Cup. Uh, and it was the U.S. and Mexico in the finals. And in like the 118th minute, the U.S. scores a goal to win one nothing, And all these tweets... From all these soccer people out there, U.S. soccer's back. U.S. soccer is is on the rise. Shut the hell up, okay? You didn't even qualify for the last World Cup. I'm not trying to rain on soccer people's parades here, but I am so done with hearing about U.S. men's soccer being back. Do something in the World Cup. And if you don't do anything in the World Cup, nobody gives a damn about what you do against the other North American teams. The only tournament that matters is... In, as far as soccer is concerned, you know, with these national competitions or international competitions is the World Cup. And until you do anything, until you qualify for the World Cup and you actually do something, you know, worthwhile, I don't want to hear about the U.S. men's soccer team. Just stop. I'm well, U.S. Like- men's soccer is back. Back from what? Back from making it to the first round and getting bounced in the round of 32 in the World Cup, like you said, they didn't even make the last one. That's why I said the women's team is more interesting than the men, because they're actually good on an international level. Right. So that's my that's my social media gripe. Shut up with the <laughs> U.S. men's soccer team being back. Uh, all that nonsense. It, it, it bothered me on a Sunday night. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Steve in Tampa. What's up, Steve? Good morning. Good morning, Steve. What's happening? Uh, first of all, it looks like the Eagles are going to lose a first-round pick to Wentz and Indianapolis again. Well, no, I mean, I guess you can look at it that way. I'd still look well, at it as they're gaining got, a second-round pick. He's got to go, what, 70%? Yeah, I mean, I'd view, it, I'd view it more, Steve, as they're gaining a high second-round pick than they're losing a first-round pick. I mean, they, they technically right. didn't even get anything yet, and – you know, it's still, I think, tremendous value for a guy who, who can't play. Wentz is damaged goods, and nobody wants to accept it. Exactly. I mean, this is, yeah. as as frustrating as last year was, Steve, it was a blessing in disguise for the Eagles. Yeah, well, now we know that. You're right. 
as far as the Olympics, I believe NBC really, really screwed up the Olympics. They got it on 18 channels. You don't know what's on when. They did very little advertising. And the men's basketball should be on NBC, not Peacock. Steve, I agree. And normally I'm like, you know, I I don't have a problem with streaming stuff. And, and I think with a little bit of effort, people can typically find this stuff. But I I agree with you here. I think they have made it incredibly confusing. Like, I wanted to watch the Olympics uh, yesterday morning when I got home from work, and, like, I couldn't find what I was trying to watch. And I tried to go on my cable service. I couldn't find it. Tried going on Peacock. I couldn't find it. And they have made it so incredibly difficult to find what you want to watch, and I, I think they've done a really poor job as well. I believe so. I mean, I, I, I got one channel I found was Ping Pong. Who the hell wants to watch Ping Pong? Some people, I'm sure, enjoy it. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not huge I'm on the Ping Pong. For, but like, I would have watched the gymnastics if I could find it, but I couldn't find it. I can't find it either. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know who the hell's in charge. I think, what is it, Comcast does it? It's NBC. It's NBC's got the rights. NBC's running this whole, the whole show here. Oh, they are running the whole thing? Yep. So what do you All got right. on the Phillies, Steve? You know, I hate to do this, really do. Phillies score two touchdowns. And everybody's, oh, wow, we're back. Mets lost. Atlanta lost. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're three and a half games back. Wow, we're going to win. No, you're not. I'm the 500 team. Well, I'm, 75 I, to 80 games. I hear you, Steve. I mean, yeah, I, no, I mean, I, oh, sorry, sorry. I did not mean to cut you off, Steve. That was that was an accident. But I agree. The the Phillies are like U.S. men's soccer. You know, every now and then we're back. You're not really back. I mean, and and it was extremely predictable. I was talking about it last night on the crossover with Ryan Rothstein. You know, the Phillies were obviously going to win that game, and they were going to have a big win because they're not going to they're not bad enough to lose all three to the Pirates. They're bad enough to lose two or three. They're not bad enough to lose all three. They'll probably split with the Nats this week. Mets, eh, depending on the week, they could lose two or three. They could win two or three. We'll see. But uh, they're an incredibly frustrating team. But because the division stinks, Mets lose the Reds, Braves lose the Brewers, and the Phillies are back three and a half games out. So we'll see how it goes this week. But they do win their game. We'll get more into the Phillies as we move forward here because I did not get some of the things Girardi was doing. Uh, late in this game, didn't make any sense to me. Um, even in a, even in an eleven run victory, they can find a way to piss me off. So we'll get to that a little bit as we move forward here. Joey, Mike, see both you guys. We'll get you guys both up in the next segment. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you. On a Monday morning, if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Still a lot we got to get to. We'll get to the Phillies. We'll get to Spencer Howard's comments. It's Spencer Howard. He likes to talk. He, he really does. He, he, he um, you know, was like to describe his, his situations here in Philadelphia, whether it was why he tired and came out of games. Um, he likes to elaborate on 
on his situations, and he uh, he was um, very vocal with the Texas Ranger media in regards to his departure from Philadelphia. And let's just put it this way. Spencer Howard does not seem any less um, any less upset or, or any less happy, rather, to leave Philadelphia than we are to get him out of town. So we'll get to what Spencer Howard had to say a little later on and whether he's got a point um, in regards to how he was handled with the Phillies. Uh, we'll get to the Phillies game itself, what Joe Girardi did that bothered me, that is going to have an impact on the next couple days, which I just I don't understand why he elected to do what he did. And we'll also get to Carson Wentz and more into his injury status and also the Ben Simmons situation, which we have some ominous sound for you uh, from the Hoop Collective podcast um, because this... This Ben uh, trade situation does not seem to be developing and playing out the way Daryl Morey would have hoped it would. So we'll get to that coming up as well. But starting talking with the Eagles and your feelings on Jalen Hurts a week into camp here. Six weeks until the season begins. And let's face it, this season is all going to come down to Jalen Hurts. This team, with the roster that's in place, the ceiling, I think the ceiling is... 11-6. and I really do. I think this team is good enough. If they get some luck, of course, luck's always involved. If they stay reasonably healthy, which you'll deal with some injuries, but, you know, this team over the last three years has been ravaged every single year by injuries. If they can stay reasonably healthy and Jalen Hurts plays pretty well, this team can win 11 games and win the division. Like, I am confident in that. But if Jalen Hurts is just not the guy... You know, your backups are Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins, and you're not going in that direction. This could be a four-win team. And there is a very wide range. How are you feeling about Jalen Hurts right now? Um, I love his attitude. I love his leadership. I don't think, you know, trade talks will get in his head. I think in a lot of the areas where Carson Wentz was deficient in terms of being a leader and the mental aspect of the game, I think that's where Jalen Hurts will excel but physically on the field, I do have questions about his arm talent and whether he can play quarterback at a high level consistently. So, want your thoughts on that uh, as well. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Joey and Trenton. What's up, Joey? Hey, how are you, man? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing great. I love your show, by the way. I listen to it all the time. Oh, thanks, thanks so much man. For me on. Thank you. Listen, I want, to get, uh, to, I want to talk a little Phillies with you, but before that, I just wanted to say, when you're a guy like Jalen Hurts who's coming from a football program like Alabama into Oklahoma, these trade talks aren't going to get into his head. He's already proven, I think, that he's a mentally tough enough. So I think I agree with you on that point. That yeah. He's a mentally tough guy. Yeah, and I think, Joey, you know, you look at the situation that he went through at Alabama with Tua, I think it's, it's kind of prepared him for, for situations like this. Exactly. And um, just one other thing. i got to tell you something. I've tried to defend uh, the manager, Joe Girardi, but this is crazy. They're going to need Ian Kennedy tomorrow. He threw 25 pitches tonight. He can't throw tomorrow. They're not, going to, they're not going to be able to let him pitch tomorrow night. They're going to need him tonight, actually. And they're going to need him tonight. They might need him. Jo- Joey, did how, that, was, was that not just insane? Like, why I, does he have how, Ian Kennedy out there in the ninth inning of a blowout throwing 25 pitches when you know he doesn't like to use guys back-to-back nights? I, I was, I, I have no idea. I'm watching it. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? And this is after he leaves Gibson in for 113 pitches in a game you're winning 8-1. to I don't get it at all. 
he man- I got to tell you something. He manages to piss every single person off, no matter if they win or if they lose. It always falls on him, Joe Girardi. He's got to go. I got to tell you, this is crazy. 113 pitches by the starter. He should have pulled them. And then in a 15-2 to two game, in the ninth inning, when you know you have a crucial game tonight, you make him pitch 25 pitches, he's out of his mind. He's got to go. He's yeah. got to go. Let's- and you're right. Gotta there's no doubt that this is going to burn them in Washington. And I don't know if it'll be Monday because maybe he can come back and pitch again tomorrow. But, you know, he's not going to be able to pitch day after day after day. And there's going to be a day in one of these games where you could use Ian Kennedy and now you're not going to be able to use him. I don't understand. He's old. Ian Kennedy is what, 36? Something like that. Yeah, he's an older he's pitcher. 36. Okay. You're going to make a 36-year-old guy throw? It's crazy. It's impossible. He screwed them up good. I got to tell you, he screwed them up. And they're going to pay for it. Yeah, man, it just didn't. It didn't make any sense to me at all. It didn't make any sense. So, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks. You right. too. Have a great night. Yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah, and and it, it was just it was just crazy to me why Joe Girardi would do that. And we'll get to the sound from Girardi a little bit later. But yeah, Kyle Gibson throws 113 pitches. He never he's never thrown that much of an, in his career. <laughs> and you have this guy out there. In an eight to one game, and you're stretching him to like his limits that he's he's never thrown more than 110 pitches before, and he's throwing 113 pitches in a game you're winning eight to one. Like I get your bullpen's not very good, but you can't leave him out there in that spot. And the last caller was right. Ian Kennedy's 36 years old. He throws 25 pitches in the ninth inning of this game. And we know the way Girardi goes with these bullpen guys. He's not going to want to use him tomorrow. And if he uses him tomorrow, he's not going to be available Tuesday. And you know what that means? You're going to be looking, because now you don't have Ranger Suarez back there. Remember that, because you need to get him to throw you the first three innings Monday night. So now you know what that means on Monday or Tuesday? It's going to be either Hector or Alvarado. Is, is that is that wrong, Dan? No, it's uh, not wrong. I find it incredible that the th- Phillies, Joe Girardi specifically, well, partially Girardi, partially just the Phillies organization as a whole, for this game going into Monday night, have managed to already burn through two closers. Suarez is starting, and Kennedy was used in a 13-run game. It's these kind of things that make me think Spencer Howard might have a point. Like, Oh, it, I, he absolutely has a point. It, it's insane. Like, it, make, it just makes absolutely no sense from a, an, a, an organizational standpoint why you would, first of all, I mean, the Gibson thing, I was already irritated about that. And then he doubles down right. on putting Kennedy in the game. No, there's no doubt in my mind. I, like, Spencer Howard probably wouldn't have been good here, but there's no doubt in my mind he's going to go to Texas or wherever his career takes him and figure it out. And we're uh, gonna be... I, I'm not ready to go that far. I, I think that's 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 that, that's going too far. I mean, it Spencer might be, Howard but is... like somehow, Spencer, this is not the last we've heard Spencer from Spencer Howard. Howard. Spencer Howard is also... I mean, let's let's face it. He's he's a word that I can't say on the air. Like he's soft. I'll just put it that way. I, so, yeah, I, I hear what you're uh, saying. Yeah. So I'll I'll leave it at that with Spencer Howard. But um, Gibson, you know, first he has him going 113 pitches in an eight to one game makes no sense when he's got nothing left. Like it's pretty clear they're starting to hit him. There's no reason to continue to leave him in the game. And then he goes to Ian Kennedy. In a fifteen to two game, when this is supposed to be your new closer, and you just move your other closer into the rotation, so now, you know what this is going to be? It's going to be either Monday night or Tuesday night, 
we're going to see either Hector Neris or Jose Alvarado in a save situation. They're going to blow it, and it's going to be brought back to needed to get Ian Kennedy in this game on Sunday because he needed to get his feet wet. Like, I don't, I, I don't get it. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? How's it going, man? Were you talking about the P word or the B word? Uh, you can uh, you can decipher for, on your own on that, Mike. I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, I actually want to start with the Sixers because, um, you know, I, sometimes, in, you know, in sports, you, you just get like a – sometimes they come out of nowhere. Sometimes it's gradual. But sometimes you just get those feelings. You just get a strong feeling that something's going to happen. And like a few days ago, right around the time of the draft, I just – I kind of started to get the feeling. I just kind of woke up with it one day where it was just kind of nagging at me. I don't think Ben Simmons is going to get traded. I, and I, that's a complete 180 of what I Ugh. thought a month ago. I thought there's no way that Maury's bringing him back. It's, it's strained after the, those playoffs. There's no way. And then, obviously, that report came out from Woj. You said something like, uh, yeah, you know, Ben Simmons is, is fine finding a team, you know, him, him and his agent find, uh, find try, finding a team to move on to. But I, I just I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, the reason being is because, I don't think that Maury is going to trade his last major trade ship for role players. Um, and, he, and, and he shouldn't. Like, he shouldn't. Like, yeah, no, that, I agree with that. that that's the problem with it is, like, I think we all agree that he needs to go, but at the same time, I agree with Maury not, not selling low. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that as well. Yeah, you, you definitely want to maximize value. And, and, more, and, of course, analytically driven GMs and – I know he's not purely analytics, but still, you know, there a lot of analytics guys are about maximizing value, um, and also, you know, coming off the Harden thing, I think it would be a bad look to kind of just give him away for role players. You know, it's you know he's going to get a lot of heat if you know, whether it was his fault or not. Regardless, you know, if you end up just giving him away for like Malcolm Brogdon or you know Terry Rozier, I mean, he would just he would, you know he'd never be able to live that down. Um, but the problem is Lillard's it. Like that's the last guy, and if Lillard doesn't request a trade, I don't know if he's going to have a choice. And uh, I know some people think that he's just going to trade him away. I mean, maybe like a package of a bunch of good but not great players. But I just don't see him doing it. Like Tom, I can see it now. Like mid-September, Woj tweet: um, The Sixers have uh, gotten together with Ben Simmons's uh, camp. You know, they've worked some things out. They're going to move forward with Ben Simmons, and they're. Uh, excited about his progress he made in the offseason. Can't, can't you see a tweet like that happening it's like mid-September? Yeah, and, and everybody will know it's not true. Like, of course. As totally much yeah. as the Sixers want Ben gone, he wants to be gone as well. But I think both sides may realize that, okay, well, we might not have a choice here. Like, like there might not be any other option because as much as Ben wants to go and as much as Rich Paul probably wants Ben somewhere else, like they need to understand, and I, I think they actually do, and I think it's why Rich Paul and, and Ben's representation hasn't been more vocal because they understand the situation too, is that you know they, under, they, they get the Sixers can't just, just give him away uh, for nothing, and, and it could get to the point where even though it's uncomfortable – he may have to come back at least for part of this season, and hopefully he could increase his value um, and you could get rid of him in season. But it, it, it's not a good situation right now, and I'm not going to no. lie to you. I thought the the value would come back up, um, and I still think 
in a week's time, things could look different. I think the next couple days are going to be interesting because there are probably teams with designs on what they can do in free agency. And once those plans kind of fall through, Mm -hmm. maybe there's another window to trade him in 10 to 14 days. But as of right now, it, it certainly doesn't look good. Yeah, and I don't even know trading him at the deadline would be uh, an option either because with the playing games, there's more teams that are eligible for the playoffs, so there's going to be less teams willing to sell. Uh, so, I mean, even then, like, you know, you have a, a, a smaller crop of teams that are, you know, going to be looking to get rid of players uh, because of those playing games, so that might not, not even be an option. But here's but, – but, but, And I'll no, let you continue, yeah, Mike, but, yeah, I think uh, – but I think the the benefit there would be, say Simmons comes back, and we know he does look good in the regular season, that he plays well and his value does come back up by the way he plays. Yeah, I mean, you hope so anyway. Um, but here's the wild card. Um, now, I know Woj already reported it. It's likely that Kawhi Leonard resigns with the Clippers. And I know he's, he's had ACL surgery or whatever. It wasn't a complete tear, but I think even when you have a partial tear, you still need reconstruction because it doesn't heal. He's probably going to miss next season. Maybe. Yeah, right. If – if Maury wants to actually land a player instead of just tweeting at them, he loves to tweet at stars. He does, oh, come join us, come join us. But if you want to actually land one, find a way to convince Kawhi Leonard that Philadelphia is the best place to win a championship. Bring him in and say, you know what? You and Joel Embiid would be the best duo in the entire league, and you would be unstoppable. And you're, you're talented enough where we would sign you to a long-term contract, and you could heal the first year of your deal, and but we'll have you for the next three, four, however many years. Uh, so if that, and, and then you know, obviously they'd have to work out a sign-in trade. Like, looks like Miami's going to do with Lowry. But if Dal Morey, you know, wants to actually land a star, and if Lillard's not going to ask to be traded, maybe that's the only option. Now, I don't know if that would be something you would do Ben Simmons for a guy coming off an ACL. But regardless, whether it's Simmons or whether it's some type of package with picks or whatever the, the package may be. You know, I know it look, it's looking like he's going to the Clippers, but, if, you know, Maury, you know, if you want to earn your reputation, uh, find a way to, you know, get in there with Kawhi Leonard, call his agent. And I think Chris Haynes reported that while it's very likely he's going to resign with the Clippers, he will take phone calls. Well, here's your chance, Daryl. Yeah. The, the door's open. I got to tell you, Mike, I'd be hesitant at this point. I mean, and not just because of the injury stuff. Uh, a lot of what you hear with Kawhi, and I know a lot of players can be difficult to deal with, but... Uh, the the stuff with Kawhi with the Spurs and now with the Clippers and with the doctors and stuff like I would be very hesitant about bringing him in because he is such a wild card personality wise like I I would look I wait and see if a Lillard or a Beal became available and especially with the ACL that's not really a route I'd pursue especially if it meant giving up next season which it pretty much would yeah I mean I, I would get, you know I could get that but I, you know you know, yeah. the options are dwindling. Uh, right. Uh, what do you got on the Eagles? But yeah, for the Eagles, um, with Hurts, um, yeah, like I'm not particularly confident in him. Um, you know, and the thing is, though, like here's the thing about when when quarterbacks struggle with accuracy, um, it's many of them they'll improve, but only marginally. Like when you see quarterbacks who have below average or even too bad accuracy, you might see some of them improve just a tiny bit, but usually they struggle with it off and on for their careers. And even when they'll, they'll, they might find a stretch where they do pretty good with it, and then eventually they'll kind of regress, you know, regress to the mean, and you know, they'll start struggling again. And you saw, I mean, we, we've seen multiple quarterbacks like that here in Philadelphia. We saw it with McNabb. Now, McNabb, threw, he threw a deep ball well, but through his whole career, 
he could never hit the screen passes. He could never hit those over the middle. He never threw them in stride. He always threw balls into the dirt. Michael Vick, you know, as talented as he was, he had a rocket and arm. He was an amazing scrambling quarterback. He struggled with accuracy his whole career. And even, I know Carson Wentz is only a handful of years in the league, but Carson Wentz has yet to improve his accuracy. And so when I look at Jalen Hurts, I go, okay. I mean, he barely threw above 50% completions this past season. I mean, he's not even an average thrower of the football in terms of accuracy. You know, I don't know if I have confidence that he can get himself up to a level that he could carry an Eagles team to the playoffs. And then you combine that with the fact that we have no idea what type of offense uh, you know, Sirianni is going to run. I mean, is he, is he going to scheme guys wide open? If he can do that, then maybe that'll help. But until we know the quality of offense that Nick Sirianni is going to run, it's going to be really hard to project uh, Jalen Hurts as a thrower this upcoming season. Yeah, no, and I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, Thanks. Care. And I think that's fair. I think – you know, a lot of it is going to go hand-in-hand hand with Sirianni. Like, as far as when we look at how Hurts is going to play, certainly Sirianni will impact that. And um, the kind of play calling he can he can, uh, he can set up for him and putting him in good situations to succeed. Now, I do think quarterbacks can improve. Um, I do think there's a ceiling on uh, their improvement. But, um, you know... I think Jalen Hurts can make himself an NFL quality passer. Like I, I saw enough last year in especially that Arizona game from a throwing the ball perspective. Like you look at the New Orleans game, the New Orleans game was Doug's best game plan of the year. I thought Doug in that game did a masterful job of play calling, putting Jalen Hurts in situations to succeed. They used the read option. And I think that's an area where, you know, a caller earlier, I think it was Tom, brought up the running game and I think Jalen Hurts is going to help the running game like in this day and age in the NFL so much of your running game is read option predicated where and it's why like the offense was so much more effective early on in Wentz's career when he was mobile like now that Wentz can't move that aspect gets taken away with Jalen Hurts and the ability to uh, keep the ball that will help your running game. And we saw that in the New Orleans game where Miles Sanders, you remember in that game, he broke off like an 83-yard touchdown run or something. And it was on a read option play where the defense had to respect Jalen Hurts. There's a hole on the one side, and Miles Sanders has that kind of burst where he can get it to the sideline and take it for the score. Um, and I think that's an ability that Hurts has that's going to help. Um, but as far as throwing the football, he was good in that Arizona game. And even in the Dallas game, like, we remember back to that one and we think of it, oh, the Eagles got blown out. But go back and watch the game. Like, the Eagles moved the ball pretty effectively. Jalen Hurts completed some, uh, you know, passes down the field, hit Deshaun on a deep touchdown pass. He uh, hit Zach Ertz on a couple passes down the field. The Eagles in that game, their issues weren't moving the ball. They were continuing to kind of shoot themselves in the foot with penalties and with turnovers once they got to, like, the Dallas 35-ish yard line. Um, and the defense got torched, and I think that forced Hurts and the offense to start to press a little bit. Uh, but I saw more from him as a passer last year than I expected. And with the work he's put in this offseason and the work being done in camp, you'd hope he can take another step in that regard and, uh, you know, be a, a, a good enough passer to keep this team 
in games and to win this team games this season. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Talking about your confidence in Jalen Hurts as we lead up to this season because the range of what he could be and the range of opinions on him is wide. So we'll continue discussing that. Harold will get you after the break. And we'll also talk about the developing situation in Indianapolis right now with Carson Wentz, who has an injured foot. Obviously, this is something we will be watching closely in Philadelphia. Uh, We'll get the latest on that, and I'll give you uh, my take on it when we return. Uh, And also, there's being speculation thrown out there about, you know, if the Colts do lose Wentz to injury for a significant portion of time, what would they do? Jacob Eason is currently their backup quarterback. And uh, the name that's being brought up just is hilarious because Carson Wentz just cannot escape the ghosts of Philadelphia. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. With you on a Monday morning. If you want to get in, we got some open lines right now. 215-592-9494. Talking a lot about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts tonight. But in a minute, we will get into the developing situation with former Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz. Because he is dealing with an injury right now um, that could very well impact the Eagles. As we know, the trade compensation they got from the Colts is partially dependent on on how many snaps, how many games Carson Wentz plays this year. Uh, So we will update you on what exactly is going on with Carson Wentz and how he is proceeding with his injury uh, coming up in a few minutes. First, let's go to Harold in Seattle. What's up, Harold? How you doing? You know, I um, get the impression that a lot of people in Philly hope hurts, uh, hurts fell. That's the impression. That's the impression that I'm getting. Based on what, Harold? Based on the talk that I hear, you, I mean, like, uh, you're going out your way to say he he's off target, but he's only had a week in camp, what, two or three days? You should give him a break. Look at yeah, So, Harold, Harold, what are we supposed to say? Just just he's he's perfect and he's got nothing no. to improve on? Like, what what do you want me to say? Look, he has everything to improve on. Do you, do you remember Brett Favre when he first came up? Uh, I, I not not really, but but what's what's they your point? Planned, I mean, he was off so much. People wanted to get rid of him. At least give the man more than two or three days. But Harold, before you come down, on Harold, there's a difference between saying he needs to improve and I want to get rid of him. I'm not saying I did. You have you tuned out? Like the fact that I said I like him and I think he's going to be pretty good this year. Like I I think there's a lot of positives to his game, but his accuracy is a weakness, and and I don't think that's unfair to point out. Okay, let's uh, talk about the manager of the Phillies. He needs to retire. What you think about that? He needs to retire? Um, I, I, I mean, mean, I mean, you I, know, his coaching. I mean, I mean, putting leaving that guy in there. But I mean, there is there is something wrong with that team. He's the rudder on the ship, and the rudder's broke. Yeah, I mean, Harold, I I did not understand what he was doing on Sunday leaving Gibson in so long and, and pitching Kennedy. I agree with you there. I, I have no clue what Ger- Ger- Joe Girardi was doing. I don't know if he fell asleep. I don't know exactly what his what his objective was, but it didn't seem like a wise move to me. 
okay, and Ben Simmons, people got to get get it in their head. Ben has no value. People can't accept that. Well, I, I hear you, Harold, and I appreciate the call. I don't know if it's no value. It's not. It's not high value, certainly. And uh, in the four o'clock hour, we will get to some sound from the Hoop Collective podcast and some sound from Daryl Morey. Where you know, but. Yeah, the the deals right now aren't out there. Like, the market is not there. And I was wrong. I thought the market for Ben Simmons would be more substantial. I thought his value would come back up as we got further removed from the playoffs and more into the offseason. It doesn't seem like that's happening now. But, you know, you do need to understand where we are in the offseason right now. And things can change very quickly. I'm not ready to completely lose hope yet. I'll um, admit right now it does not look look like it's headed in a positive direction for the Sixers but there are you know times in the offseason where situations change and today is the beginning of the free agency period technically you can't sign guys till like Friday but everything happens once you can start discussing it over the the tampering situation is always funny to me because like Kyle Lowry is basically already agreed to a sign and trade to the Miami Heat so this stuff has kind of already begun, and teams might have lofty goals in free agency, but once they strike out in some of those areas, then maybe they revisit their situations, and then they look and they think, okay, Ben Simmons is more appealing now than he was a week ago. So uh, I would remain patient for now, um, but certainly it's not looking great, and we'll get more into that in a little bit here. But I did want to get to the developing situation in Indianapolis with Carson Wentz. Um, Carson Wentz is hurt again. This time it's a foot injury that he suffered on his second day of training camp in Indianapolis. So Carson went to Indy. He couldn't even get through two practices without getting injured again. And remember, this is a guy who had the concussion, the broken back, the torn ACL, he broke his ribs in his first preseason game. We don't even remember that one. That was so far uh, far back ago. But Carson Wentz is injured again. Here was Ian Rappaport um, after the injury discussing Carson Wentz's situation. What's going on now, Mike? Besides Carson Wentz set to visit noted foot specialist Dr. Robert Anderson, really the best in the business when it pertains to feet, Carson Wentz wants to play. He wants to be out there. He wants to play through it. What we do not know, is that possible? Surgery, I am told, a minor surgical procedure is on the table for Carson Wentz. That is possible. And obviously, if Carson Wentz were to have surgery, you're looking at a a longer timeline. Uh, Expected to be, at this point, out the rest of the preseason. I think that's probably pretty obvious. Everybody probably knows that by this point. But if Carson Wentz does have surgery, you're looking at potentially missing the start of the regular season. How many games? We do not know. But the start of the regular season, that is where it stands for Carson Wentz right now. Trying to play through it, trying to see if he can avoid surgery. If he needs surgery, likely to miss at least the beginning of the regular season right now. And that's basically where we are, and that is the decision that for now Carson Wentz has come to. That they are not going to pursue surgery at this moment, They're going to try rest and rehab and see if that works to correct these issues, but surgery is still on the table. Now, obviously, from the Eagles' perspective, you know, 
you hope that this works and he gets back on the field because the Eagles need him to play 75% of the snaps or 70% and the Colts make the playoffs. I personally think him playing 75% would be more likely because I don't think he's going to play well and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But if he does need the surgery, you'd obviously rather him get the surgery now because if Carson Wentz waits and say we go through three weeks and this thing doesn't get any better, then he's going to need surgery closer to the regular season, and that's that that could completely end the Eagles' chances of getting a first-round pick. Here is more from Mike Garofalo on whether this is potentially a season-ending situation for Wentz. And just to be crystal clear, uh, no indication at this point that this is going to be a season-ender. So that does not appear to be on the table at all. If there is some kind of surgical procedure, could be something where the timeline leaks into the regular season. But no one is telling us that this is going to be something that's going to knock Carson Wentz out for the entire 2021 season. So it doesn't look like it's a season-ending injury. We'll see how things kind of progress in the next couple weeks and – you know, when you look at this trade, whether it ends up being a first-round pick or it ends up being a second-round pick, you know, it doesn't really matter in terms of how I view the trade because either way, it was a great trade. And, you know, from the Eagles' perspective. And this is why what happened last year, as much as it sucked to be an Eagles fan in 2020, and as frustrating as that season was on a number of levels, It was a blessing in disguise for this team. You know, because whether we wanted to admit it or not, Carson Wentz is damaged goods. And Carson Wentz has been damaged goods for the last three and a half years. Because ever since he tore his ACL in Los Angeles, we've never seen that guy again. And, you know, we have tried to convince ourselves over the last few years, and I've been guilty of it as well. We have tried to convince ourselves that, you know, he was going to get back to that level. That another year removed, you put the right guys around him, you put the right right receivers around him, you put the right offensive line around him, he's going to get back to that level. But the bottom line is, he's never going to get back to that level because he's never going to be the same player physically. Ever. And he's never been able to do the things physically that he did in 2017. Like, remember back that Monday night game in Washington where there is an entire pile around him of his own offensive linemen and defensive linemen, and he just pops out of the pile and runs for 20 yards? Have we ever, like in the three years after that, did we ever see a play like that from Carson Wentz again? No. And we never saw anything athletically that made him look different than an average quarterback. We never saw anything that separated him from being just another guy in this league. And he's never going to be the same as he was that year from a a play on the field perspective or from a health perspective because he needs that kind of ability to be an elite player. Because without that mobility, and we talked about it earlier in terms of Jalen Hurts and helping the running game, when Carson Wentz isn't mobile and he's just a statue in the pocket, he's not very effective because there's no threat of him running. There's no threat of him 
getting outside the pocket. And it's funny when everybody would, would yell about, why doesn't Doug roll him out? Why doesn't Doug have him outside the pocket? Because he's not capable of doing that stuff anymore. The guy's had a torn ACL. He's had a broken back. He's damaged goods. He's not very good anymore. And, you know, we've tried to convince ourselves that he would get back to being some to being something that he will never get back to being. And the Eagles were guilty of it as well. Because when they gave him that extension after 2018, that was after the back injury. And I truly believe that they had serious concerns. Because you look back at that 2018 season, it was not very good. I mean, he came in week three. He played, you know... Uh, he played through the Dallas game. I think he was 5-6 and six that year. Foles played the first two games, and Foles played the last two games. Um, and Wentz was, you know, up and down. It wasn't, wasn't very good in retrospect. But I think the Eagles gave him that extension after that season, taking a leap of faith that he would get back to being that player, even though they really didn't see anything on the field in 2018 to indicate that that was going to happen. And... When they watched 2019, and we all got fooled by the December of 2019, and when you look back at that four-game stretch, it's funny that we did view it as impressively as we did because it really wasn't that impressive. I mean, you were going up against four NFC East teams. You almost lost the Giants at home on a Monday night to Eli Manning. I mean, you almost lost on the road to Washington. You beat Dallas at home in a win that the defense got for you by holding the Cowboys to nine points in that game. The offense didn't do a whole lot in that game. Wentz didn't do a whole lot in that game. And when you look at what happened last year, like, think about this. And what makes more sense to you? Because there's been so much speculation about the Jalen Hurts draft choice and whether... That is what shattered Carson Wentz mentally and that he couldn't recover from knowing that there was a guy behind him who they drafted who could potentially take his job. What makes more sense to you? That he was, you know, affected by them selecting Jalen Hurts? Or that the reason he was worried about Jalen Hurts is because he knew, I'm physically not as good as this guy anymore. I don't have the physical skills that Jalen Hurts has. I may I used to be as good as Jalen Hurts, but I can't move anymore the way Jalen Hurts moves. I can't do the things physically that I used to do. That's why Jalen Hurts scared him so much, because Wentz knows he's damaged. Wentz knows he's not good anymore. And the Indianapolis Colts and Frank Reich just fell victim to what a lot of people in this city have fell victim to and what are still falling victim to. Because I saw the tweets and the heard the phone calls from many all. So you watch. You're going to regret it. You ran Carson out of town. He's going to go to Indianapolis. He's going to win an MVP. He's going to take the Colts to the Super Bowl. No, he's not. He's not going to accomplish anything in Indianapolis. And I wish no ill will toward Carson Wentz. I think he acted like a child here last year. And I am not upset by any means that he's gone. But he's done. And he's never going to be healthy. He's never going to play well. And what we saw from him in 2017 doesn't exist anymore. 
that player is extinct, and he will never return. He will never get back to that level, and it's because of the injuries. And you see it again, goes to Indianapolis, he's already hurt. And they're going to be dealing with something. It's always going to be something with Carson Wentz. He's always going to be dealing with something, and he's never going to get back to that level. And, and I, you know, I really don't know what else to say about it, um, but uh, he's just damaged goods at this point. And regardless of whether he plays enough to get the first-round pick or not, it was a great trade by the Eagles, and astounding to me still that the Indianapolis Colts gave up that kind of value for a guy who is as damaged from an injury perspective as Carson Wentz is. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we will get to a name that's being thrown around here in terms of who the Colts could bring in if Carson Wentz does need to miss significant time here because Jacob Eason, a kid who's never played meaningful snaps in the NFL, he's their current backup. There's a name out there that's being thrown around who the Colts could potentially bring in, and I got to say, I don't think this one will make Carson very happy. But we'll get to that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. Talking a lot of Eagles tonight. We haven't really dealt with the Phillies yet. We'll get to that in the next segment. I've already been on a couple times since the uh, trade deadline, so we've discussed that, um, but we'll get into that a little further. And we'll before we get out of here, I'll give you my thoughts, if you haven't heard them yet, about uh, Ranger Suarez getting the start tonight. Very exciting stuff. Uh, you know, you take your best bullpen guy and you make him a glorified opener. Uh, so we'll get to that. Um, but talking a lot of Eagles tonight, your feelings on Jalen Hurts going, coming into this season here and uh, how you expect him to play. I mean, because this season is more than anything going to be reliant on Jalen Hurts and his performance. And I want to know from, you know, the the people out there who still felt, and I it, it baffles me that anybody could still believe that the Eagles were in the wrong in regards to the Carson Wentz situation and that, oh, they quit on Carson. First of all, they tried to actually bring him back, and uh, he didn't want to come back. Um, But does this change your view on it at all, the fact that he's already dealing with an injury? Because it's exactly what it would have been here. And if he had stayed in Philadelphia, now that he's in Indianapolis, wherever Carson Wentz ends up, he'd always be dealing with something. He'd always have something wrong with him. And does this change your view? And do you now believe that Howie Roseman got good value? I mean, I thought so at the time. I was stunned that he got even a potential first-round pick for Carson for Carson Wentz. And even if, if it ends up being a two and a three, to get that kind of value and get out of that albatross of a contract, does it change your opinion of how he's handling of this situation? And do you believe that it was a good deal for the Eagles? It was a tremendous trade. And I'm still shocked that they got what they did for damage for a damaged player like Wentz. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Adrian, who is weirdly become Carson Wentz's biggest fan recently. What's up, Adrian? How's it going, man? You calling to defend your boy Carson, I'm sure? 
them years you was just talking about, that's when you was in love with Carson Wentz. You was in love with him. I told you he was a stiff and a bum back then, and you didn't believe me. Well, that's now the thing, a- Adrian. The light. In 2017, he wasn't a bum. That's what I'm saying. But ever since then, he was the a f- bum. Hey, look, he no, he wasn't a bum that marriage. year. Y'all had the best offensive line in football, and y'all was doing it with smoke and mirrors. Y'all played the worst schedule in football. Y'all was doing it with smoke and mirrors. That's why he couldn't. That's why he didn't finish that season, 2017. The season he didn't finish. When the last time has he finished the season? Now you want to kill him? Don't kill him. That was your boy, Tom Kelly. You was in love with him, Tom Kelly. He's better than Eli. Remember you saying all that stuff? He can't even make it through a half of practice. Cut it out. Well, Adrian, well, Adrian, what do you want me to do? I mean, I'm not going to defend Carson Wentz, so I'm not sure what you're expecting to get out of me here. I mean, I'm not going to defend him. I think he's a bum. Y'all got exactly what y'all deserve. Y'all thought I was going to get a first round. Now, Adrian, I got to ask – I got to ask you about this story because you you know how I feel about your boy Joe Judge. Did you see what Kelvin Benjamin had to say about that clown? Called him the biggest fraud in the NFL? What a joke. Hey, look. You know, a lot of times, you know, they said the same thing about Tom Coughlin. He couldn't coach. He's not going to be able to win in New York. I mean, you know, I mean, you hear all this stuff because you, you hear this stuff from guys that just don't understand that when you come to New York, we develop players. We make players better. That's what we what? do. We don't go out here and try to just pick try to pick up a Deshaun Watson and all this old crap. This old creep you keep talking about. He's a he's a Adrian, you want a perm to what, be your quarterback. Adrian, you want when, a to be when, your quarterback. When was the last Cut time the out. Giants made the playoffs? Develop players. When was the last time they made the you, playoffs? What you are you got, talking about? You got to understand this. It's all a process, and you we didn't. It didn't take us forty-seven years to win one time, Kelly. You can believe that. It ain't take us forty. It ain't been forty-seven years. <laughs> what have the Giants done recently? What have they done hey, look, recently, Adrian? I mean, you you're, you're talking trash with nothing to talk. Hey, look, it's four to one. We got four, y'all got one. We win one every decade. It's about time for us to win another one. Yeah, well, the Eagles have Don't won more. Don't worry about have... the Giants. We four to one against you guys. The Eagles have won more you know recently I mean? than the Giants. Get out of here, Adrian. I have no use for you tonight. But the Eagles have won one more recently than the Giants. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Dan, did you see this this story? About Kelvin Benjamin? Yeah, the Kelvin Benjamin thing. Yeah, he is not a big fan of Joe Judge. Okay, so... Let me explain what's going on here and what a clown this Joe Judge is. And and so Kelvin Benjamin gets signed by the Giants. And Kelvin Benjamin has a relationship with another dope who works for the Giants, Dave Gettleman, who's their GM, who, you know, scoffed about trading a pick. He said, well, move down. What am I going to move down for? For hot dogs and a, a soda? Or I can't do the... Gettleman. Sometimes I do a decent Gettleman, but I'm not. I'm not. You're not feeling it, it right now. No, okay. I think it's a little cold in the studio. When it, I have the perfect temperature, I can do a, de- a decent Gettleman accent. But um, the temperature affects the accent. Maybe, it? maybe. Okay. I don't know what exactly it is. Um, but uh, you know, Gettleman was with Kelvin Benjamin in Carolina, so he signs him to come into camp, and very quickly, Kelvin Benjamin is cut by the Giants, and. Benjamin basically says, from day one, I stepped on the field, and Joe Judge, I could tell, just didn't want me there. Like, he didn't have any interest in having him on the team. It was kind of a Gettleman signing, and they get rid of him real quick, and he basically just bashes uh, Joe Judge. Now, 
typically you'll look at this and I get the perspective of, oh, scorned player, you know, is going to rip the head coach who just cuts him. But, like, is there any doubt that this Joe Judge is just the biggest clown in the world? Like... Uh, give your take, Dan. If you disagree, I'd no, no, I don't. It. I don't disagree. It's just really, really funny that he he's got a lot of weird. Like, what is it about true? Is he trying too hard to be a true football guy? Like, is Kelvin Benjamin? Did he just Joe Judge strikes me as the guy that if he didn't agree, like this is a typical Joe Judge right, move that he would do this. That Dave Gettleman would say like, hey, give this guy a shot. He could actually help the Giants win this year. And because Judge doesn't want him there, he's a baby about it. And I can imagine in Giants training camp, he probably shunned him from the jump, which is exactly what Kel- Kelvin Benjamin said about him. Yeah. And, and he said, basically, Benjamin said basically that Judge didn't even talk to him, didn't want him there. And and like Joe Judge is just, is just such a clown. Like, if I have to hear this guy, and Mr., you know, uh, we're all about integrity. If you can see, if you can pull that cut up real quick, Dan, I think it's like a 17-second cut or something that's in the system. But, like, if I have to hear this guy cry one more time about, like, the Eagles tanking so they didn't make the playoffs, you won six games, dude. Like, you went 6-10. and ten. And uh, that organization, you talk about, and Adrian wants to, you know, call the Eagles losers and all this stuff. Is there anything that represents a loser more than somebody crying about not making the playoffs when you win six friggin' games? I mean, how many times do we have to, there have been players, judges complained about it like five times. How many times do we have to hear about it when you win six games? And here was Joe Judge uh, basically saying Giants would never do what the Eagles did. There's a number of sacrifices that have been made by all the players and coaches in this league. There's a number of sacrifices that come along as well with the family members and the people connected to them. To disrespect the effort that everyone put forward to make this season a success for the National Football League, to disrespect the game by going out there and not competing for 60 minutes and doing everything you can to help those players win, we will never do that as long as I'm the head coach of the New York Giants. I mean, dude, shut up. Seriously. I, what was it? CB West or Council Rock? Where'd he come from? One of these schools around here. He's a local guy, Joe. Was Judge. it not? No. Was it Neshaman? No, Council Maybe, Rock. Whatever. It was Council Rock. One of the Bucks County schools. Yeah. Get off your high horse, right. dude. Come on. He should go back Who cares? And then the Eagles jumped ahead of that loser. Right. Thank, that, that's, thank goodness. That's the beauty of it, is by doing that, they ended up getting ahead of the Giants to get Devontae Smith. So, Joe Judge, shut the hell up. Adrian, shut the hell up. Go root for your loser organization. And I, I I, will guarantee this right now. I haven't gone through all my predictions yet. But I will guarantee, as Howard would say, a stone-cold lead pipe lock. This division is wide open. The Giants will finish dead last in this division. I am guaranteeing it right now. As long as you have Gettleman and Joe Judge and Daniel Jones as the three most important people in your organization, that team isn't doing anything this year. And who made him the integrity police anyway? Like, since when does he run the morals of the league? He's an idiot. He's just an idiot. Your team sucked. Your team sucked. He's a moron. So, uh, you know, Adrian, I like you, but on this this situation— you know, just just get out of here with the Adrian becoming like this Wentz supporter is, is well. He just likes to be the contrarian, me. right? I mean, 
Daniel Jones is terrible. So he stinks. Enjoy watching him, and he he he, he acts like the Eagles are are. Um, you know, I heard he br- he brought up the wi- well, the rings count. Suddenly, you know, the Eagles could win the Super Bowl this year. He'd say, "Oh, it's four to two now." Right? Like, there's nothing they could do. Right. So, uh, no, but he he he, you know, acts like the Eagles are in the wrong for investigating the Deshaun Watson situation. Well, the Giants should be looking at that too because their quarterback sucks and they're not going anywhere. So, Adrian, uh, you know, enjoy Joe Judge, enjoy Dave Gettleman, enjoy Daniel Jones, and enjoy last place because that's where you're going to be this year. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. When we get back, um, we'll talk a little bit about the Phillies because I did want to get to uh, a little more in terms of what Joe Girardi did on Sunday. And even an 11-run win, he does something to piss you off that makes absolutely no sense. So we'll get to that. And also the comments made by now former Philly pitcher Spencer Howard in his introductory press conference with the Texas Rangers. And we'll examine those comments and whether Spencer Howard uh, might have a point. So we'll get to that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. Open lines if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Dan Wilson tells me during the break, Lansdale Catholic is where Joe Judge previously coached. I guess there were, I mean, there had to be some stops. In between. Well, yeah, he coached with on Belichick's staff. He's like the linebackers coach or something up there. But And that's another reason to know he's a, he's a bum. What, what Belichick disciple has ever gone on to be a good NFL coach? None of them. They never go on to that. Brian Flores and Vrabel played for him, but, like, they're the only examples. No, they're usually pretty bad. Has he been to the playoffs yet? No, but it's just, like, the only one who has a chance right now. And I don't think Judge actually coached there. He just went to Lansdale Catholic. Oh, okay. He coached at one of the schools uh, around here. So, uh, Joe Judge, whatever. I'm I'm done with him. Uh, The Giants are going to finish last. That's my first prediction uh, of the NFL season. So, you can mark it down. And, you know, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll accept it. But I'm pretty confident in that prediction. I think they're going to fall on their face this year. Uh, 215-592-9494. But catch you up on what we're talking about tonight. I'm talking about Jalen Hurts a lot of the night. As we're a few days into camp, um, and it's been mixed reviews in regards to Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I, I can't remember a season where we go into it with – this wide of, of a range as far as expectations and and the kind of uncertainty of what to expect from the starting quarterback. Like, we've been surprised by starting quarterbacks. Like, Wentz in 2020 was surprising in a bad way. Wentz in 2017 was surprising in a good way. Um, Michael Vick in 2010, even though he didn't start the season. Foles in 13, even though he didn't start the season. But we de- we generally know going into the season what you can reasonably expect from a quarterback. We don't know what to expect from Jalen Hurts. Like, I think there's one side of the coin where he could play really well, be a top 20-ish quarterback, and based on what else this team has on the roster, because I do think it's a good roster, and I do think this is a an interesting coaching staff, and I think Sirianni's going to do a decent enough job, I could see them winning 11 games. And winning the division. I could also see Jalen Hurts 
clearly not being the guy very early on. And if he doesn't play well, this is a team that could have a problem winning any more than four or five games. So I want to know how you're feeling about a week in uh, to training camp, preseason football about 10 days away. Um, but uh, I think Elliot does some good work as far as charting the quarterbacks at practice. Uh, and he wrote a piece on 94WIP.com kind of detailing Jalen Hurts up and down camp so far that I'd encourage you to read because there's been, um, you know, some good and some bad from Hertz so far. So we've been discussing that we've been discussing the Carson Wentz injury situation. And, you know, this just confirms to me more than anything else that that was a tremendous trade. Like Carson Wentz is damaged goods. He's always going to be damaged goods. He's never going to be completely healthy again and already dealing with a foot issue that could cost him to miss part of the season uh, already. Now, he has opted at this point not to get surgery. He's going to try to rehab it. I mean, usually the way things go, when you opt not to get surgery, like, you typically need to end up having it anyway. Like, remember what we've gone, th- what we went through two years ago with Deshaun Jackson with the abdominal issue where he hurt it week two against Atlanta, could have gotten the surgery, tried to rehab it for, what, two months it didn't get any better. Tried playing against Chicago and need to get the surgery anyway, and his season was over. Obviously, it's a different kind of injury, but typically in these situations, it's better to just get the surgery now. Wentz is not electing to do that, and that could hurt the Eagles. I mean, if he ends up needing it toward the end of training camp, obviously then he misses more time in the season. Eagles need him to play 75% of the snaps, or the Colts uh, to make the playoffs and Wentz play 70% of the snaps. Uh, if that doesn't happen, the pick ends up being a second-round pick. Now, I view it as a good trade either way. Um, you got out from under the contract. You got a three, and whether it's a, a two or a one, and if Wentz doesn't play a lot, their backup's Jacob Eason. So I don't think it would be uh, a situation where he'd have a lot of success. Uh, that could be a very high second-round pick. Uh, so either way. Uh, that was a, a tremendous trade from the Eagles standpoint and from Howie Roseman. So we've been discussing that as well. And uh, I wanted to get into the Phillies a little bit now because it was an, a, a big game for them on Sunday, I guess. I mean, they lose the first two of this three-game series, the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates, which was infuriating. But they had their new trade acquisition taking the mound on Sunday in Kyle Gibson. And and just in general, what a crazy trade deadline where you have Max Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers. The Nationals totally blow it up. They get rid of pretty much everybody. The Cubs, I don't like I don't think I've ever seen anything like what the Cubs and the Nats did. The Cubs trade Rizzo to the Yankees, Baez to the Mets, Chris ba- Chris Bryant to the Giants, and they all hit homers in their debuts. How about that? It was the first time they had the stat on SportsCenter since like 1950 that three guys who started as teammates all went to separate teams and did that. Yeah. Like it literally is baseball history that they managed to pull that off. Yeah, and uh, they, you know they've all performed very well so far, and Gabe Kapler getting a big-time reinforcement in Chris Bryant. But my favorite thing about thinking about the Cubs right now is – 
I am just thinking about Jake Arietta and think about Arietta right now. He goes back to Chicago. He's thinking he's going to be on a contending team, you know, back in a place where they like him. He pitches terribly. And now all his buddies are gone, and he's just sitting there with like a triple-A team. How great is that? Oh, it's, it's it, phenomenal. It, it's Arietta, it's Jason Hayward, and it's a bunch of a bunch of bums. Yeah, f- phenomenal that Jake the Snake Arietta, after sucking with the Phillies and stealing money, is now stuck back in Chicago in a non-contending team. I guess he likes David Ross, who is still the manager there. It's probably his only friend left, mm. him, maybe Hayward. But no, thank goodness that that team is totally decided to blow it up, and Arietta is just stuck rotting there at Wrigley Field. Yeah, so that makes me happy. But, um, you know, as for the Phillies game on Sunday, they lose the first two of this series, which is incredibly infuriating, but at the same time incredibly predictable because, you know, of course, they have a big win in Game 2 of the doubleheader on Thursday. And the way this season has gone for them, whenever you get excited about them, they'll let you down. And whenever you quit on them, they'll, you know, give you some sort of hope. So, not that surprising that they would come in and lose two of three to the Pirates and then, you know, be set up in a situation where you really need to win this game Sunday if you get swept. That would have been um, extremely disappointing. Now, the Phillies do come out and win, which was also pretty predictable uh, considering how the season's gone. They win 15-4. The offense goes crazy after not being able to do much the first two games of the series against two, you know, pretty uh, – average pitchers at best in Will Crow and JT Brubaker. Uh, JT Realmuto has a huge day. He has five hits. He knocks in four runs and the Phil score 15 and win the game. And it was also the debut of Kyle Gibson, who the Phil's picked up from the Texas Rangers in a trade on deadline day. Now Gibson goes six and two thirds, gives up five hits, Uh, Gives up two runs, has five strikeouts in this game. Now, a good outing, like you'd obviously be happy with that, but there was just just something that really bothered me. First off, here was Joe Girardi uh, talking about Gibson's performance. We'll get to that in a second here. Um, But uh, Girardi uh, was talking about Kyle Gibson, said that he was impressed with him and some of the things that he was able to do in this game. Now, uh, we fast forward to the seventh inning here, where uh, Kyle Gibson remains in. So Kyle Gibson is in in the eighth inning. Now, the Phillies at this point are leading the Pirates 8-1. to one. Like, And I get the Phillies bullpen is in a bad way right now, um, and they have struggled mightily, even though, you know, they've been a little better of late. So, of course, when you get better, what do you do? Just take the best guy out of the bullpen and uh, not have him uh, available to us anymore. But you're up 8-1, to one, and Kyle Gibson r- r- remains in this game. Uh, so, Kyle Gibson remains in this game, and then you are in a situation where he's over 100 pitches, he's getting hit all over the place, and he he is only pitched 110 at, one, at some point in his career. That's the most amount of pitches he has ever thrown in his career is 110 pitches. For some reason, in an 8-1 game, Joe Girardi leaves him in 
to throw 113. Now, that, to me, makes absolutely no sense. Like, you're in a, a situation where you're, you have a seven-run lead. Why are you leaving a guy in who you're going to need down the stretch here? Like, you have no starting pitchers. You have Zach Wheeler, you have Aaron Nola, and you literally have nothing else. To the point where you got to move Ranger Suarez, your most effective bullpen piece, into the rotation. You're starting Chase Anderson. He's back in the rotation again. And you're going to send Kyle Gibson out there in an 8-1 to game and have him throw more pitches than he's ever thrown in his career. What sense does that make? from Joe Girardi's perspective. I mean, it it was ridiculous. And he basically said after the game, well, he said he felt good and uh, we decided to leave him out there. It doesn't, it still doesn't explain why you wouldn't want to preserve this guy's arm for the remainder of the season, a guy you're going to need. And there might be a game where you really do need Kyle Gibson to throw over 100 pitches. Today was not the day. Not when you're up 8-1. to As if that's not frustrating enough. The Phillies lead going into the ninth inning of this game, 15-2. to And what does he do? He goes and gets the other guy they got in a trade, Ian Kennedy, to bring him in to a 13-run game. Ian Kennedy, in the ninth inning of this one, throws 25 pitches, allows two runs. I mean, it really doesn't matter the runs he allows. I mean, the game was over. But why are you bringing a guy who's probably going to be your new closer? Because Suarez is back in the rotation now. Why are you bringing him into this game and having him throw 25 pitches? Because we know the way Joe Girardi is with the guys in his, in his bullpen. And he doesn't like to use them multiple days. He doesn't like to use them in situations where you know they need to throw uh, a ton of pitches on consecutive days. So now that's going to have an impact in terms of this series. You know it will. Where the Phillies are in the midst of a stretch where they don't have a day off for like another two weeks. And you're going to pro- probably need Ian Kennedy over the next couple days. What is the point of wasting some of the bullets that he has in the ninth inning of a 13-run blowout? Where now, say he pitches, say he can't pitch tonight. You know what that means? You don't have Ranger Suarez anymore. So that means it's going to be either Jose Alvarado or Hector Neris coming in to save a game. We've seen that. Like, this is the whole point of them needing to go out and get bullpen help. So you weren't in a situation where you had Alvarado and Neris closing games for you. And I just sometimes I really struggle to understand what Joe Girardi is thinking. Like, I get that the guys are new and you want to get their feet wet and you want to get them in a game, but you're going to need them in games that actually matter. You're going to need them in spots that actually matter. And having Ian Kennedy pitch at all in a 13-run game makes absolutely no sense. And I, I was kind of stunned that, like, nobody asked Joe Girardi about that after the game. It's something that I think you probably would ask, why are you putting <laughs> your your new closer in a game that's not competitive? But I don't get it. And, and you know, I, I, I have been 
much more lenient on Joe Girardi lately because a lot of these issues are roster issues and there are a lot of things that he can't do anything about. But this is just just stupidity. And it just makes absolutely no sense why he would be burning the arms of some of his biggest pitchers, some of the guys who just got in trades, why you would have them uh, throw these kind of innings in this kind of meaningless spot. I just don't get it. And uh, I don't know what Joe Girardi was doing at all. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. That is how you join the show. Uh, But if you want to get in and uh, give your thoughts on Joe Girardi and why he decided to throw Gibson 113 pitches and Ian Kennedy, why he came into a a complete blowout uh, when you're going to need him down the line here, uh, I'd love to hear from you. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Peter and Lawrence. What's up, Peter? His strategy backfired. What was his strategy, though? I'm still struggling Basically, to understand Basically, he that. wanted to show showcase Gibson and Kennedy, and it backfired. He figured Kennedy will come in, one, two, three straight batters. It didn't work out that way. And also with Gibson... 113 pitches for him. Usually for most pitchers, that's nothing. But with the way their arms are now, 100 pitches is enough. He could have said, you've done your job. Let's save you for the next start. Well, I would never say 113 pitches was ever nothing, Peter. I mean, that was that's well, always there. There are pitches. pitchers who, who've pitched more. They, he, um, there was one game of... Uh, Garrett Cole, who drew, who threw 130 in a complete game. Yeah, now, but that, that look, doesn't happen If you look at often. Joe Girardi and his the way he was at other teams, whether it was Florida or the Yankees, there are times when he let pitchers in to go too far. And basically their arms became rubber. Well, that's not good. I, that's not I, good. I, I followed Joe Girardi from 2008 to 2017 when he got fired, and I saw enough of starting pitchers who went in too far. It's like pitchers who used to pitch 30 complete games, 328 innings. In the words of Reggie Jackson, that killed catfish. <laughs> That's a famous Reggie Jackson quote. Um, if you look at Yankeeography, you yeah. will listen to it. What is it, what is Yankeeography, Peter? Yankeeography basically they could even do a Philliesography. Yankeeography is a series of uh, biographies of certain Yankees, from Babe Ruth to uh, Derek Jeter. Okay, Never. and they go into depth. Like for the Phillies, they could do Michael Jack Schmidt. So what is, is it a book or is it a podcast series? It what is, is it? a thirty. Uh, a, 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 uh, it's an hour show on yes. Okay. And when they have nothing else to put on TV, when Yankee baseball isn't there, that's when they throw that in. Okay, so so you enjoy Yankeeography? Well, basically, you learn, and it's like other teams. Well, other players, you know, I went into a store one time, and they were, young kids were um, bagging groceries, and I said, who's your favorite ball player? 
And I said, he said to me, Jackie Robinson. And I said, why? And he said, because he was the first um, African-American colored baseball player. And I said, well, there were a lot more after Jackie Robinson. There was Willie McCovey at the Giants. There was Larry Doby at the White Sox. You know, they they are not really like you had Bake McBride. You had Dick Allen back in the old Phillies. You had Bill White. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just that, you know, I we're getting off base, but it's. <laughs> It, it would be something to give the Phillies something to relish their fans with it, the history. It could be rain delay programming. How Correct. There you Carlton. Go. Okay. Tug. <laughs> Sounds good. No, it, it's just that the the Philly games. You know, I watch them. Uh-huh. I I go. I have my TV and I have my computer. There you if go. If I can't get the podcast on the computer, I watch on game day. Well, there you go, Peter. And basically, I say to myself, some of the strategy that Joe's doing is what got him let go from the Yankees. And his career as a Philly is going to be short-lived. Wow, that's a big prediction. After after seeing a – they are below 500 or even 500. I've even lost track. They're one game below now, and I appreciate it, it, Peter. It is August. Yep, it is August. Uh, but, Peter, uh, hopefully we hear from you again this week, okay? Thank you. All right, take it easy. Uh, Peter's one of my newest favorite callers. I enjoy – he always teaches me something. He always teaches me, you know, lessons from the olden days, and he taught me what Yankeeography is this time. So, a, tr- a true historian of the game. I, I enjoy I enjoy, uh, I enjoy my conversations with Peter, and hopefully he chimes back in this week. 215-592-9494. Uh, when we get back, we will let you hear this sound from Spencer Howard, former Phillies pitcher, who uh, had some interesting comments to make in his introduction uh, with the Texas media. So we'll get to that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. Catch you up on some uh, Olympic uh, information here right now. The U.S. women's soccer team is playing. Uh, they are tied with Canada nil nil. I think that's how you're supposed to say it in soccer. In the uh, 32nd minute, I think this is semifinals. I think the winners go to the Gold Cup game. So uh, that's what's going on in the women's soccer um, tournament. And uh, breaking news just a few minutes ago from USA Gymnastics. Simone Biles will return to action in the balance beam final. Uh, So she will compete once again in the Tokyo Olympics. Just saw that a minute ago. So that's good. Simone Biles uh, is returning and she'll be able to compete again. And knowing how good she is, she'll probably end up winning the gold. So that'll be uh, uh, good to see that she'll be back in action. I believe tonight at 1240, I'll be able to watch this here at the station while I'm getting ready for the uh, show, because I think it's USA and Spain in the men's basketball quarterfinals. So if I can find that, I'll be able to watch it while I'm getting ready for the show tonight. So excited for that. Yeah, you got to be able to find Peacock, I think, unless they're putting this on actual TV this time. Yeah, well, on the women's game, I mean, I'm streaming right now. So just stream it. Yeah. Don't even bother with the TV. NBC10's Twitter account just like said, you could stream it here. I just clicked on the link, and I'm streaming. So they'll probably have something for basketball, too. I don't know. You would guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whose account, uh, if I'm using an account. Maybe, because I know, I I think before I've used, like, I, I filled out, like, a... 
a NCAA tournament bracket on ESPN's website, and I thought I was logged in as myself, but I was logged in as Joe Giglio. So maybe I'm on Giglio's. So Giglio got all your picks? Cable or something. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those free bracket things. So You didn't win him any money or anything? No, no. no. <laughs> so maybe I'm watching on Joe's account right now. I'm not sure. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, but talking about the Eagles most of the night, Jalen Hurts, the Carson Wentz situation, uh, whether that changed your view of the trade, if you did think, uh, you know, the Eagles didn't get great value, I think this shows now the value they got was, um, you know, pretty incredible considering uh, the injuries Carson Wentz has dealt with and the fact that he's just never going to be 100% again. And, you know, it's a shame, shame for him, but um, for the Eagles, getting out of that contract uh, was tremendous. And, and last year, as frustrating as it was, I think was without a doubt a blessing in disguise for this team uh, to realize that Carson Wentz wasn't the guy that they hoped he would be. Uh, 215-592-9494. Also, discussing Joe Girardi and why he would bring Ian Kennedy into a game, his new closer, that you're leading by 13 runs. Makes no sense, and you know it's going to come back to haunt the Phillies in Washington. Now, that kind of leads us to our next point here, because... One of the guys, really the main player, the Phillies traded in the deal for Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy was Spencer Howard. And Spencer Howard was, I mean, for a guy who really barely pitched here, barely played here, it was kind of a controversial figure um, as far as his struggles and this year, his issues, I guess you could call them in regards to coming out of games and these weird kind of scenarios where he'd start and the first two, three innings he'd look fine, and then he'd have this massive velocity dip and would be winded and would need to come out of games pretty early. And, you know, there was kind of this back and forth of what, whether this was on Spencer Howard and whether he was soft or whether this was on the Phillies for mishandling him. Now, Spencer Howard, you know, was traded in that deal, now with the Texas Rangers, and he had some interesting things to say uh, when he was introduced to the media on Sunday. Now, here first was Spencer Howard uh, talking about what exactly his role was as he understood it when he was in Philadelphia. That's a good question. I I was kind of all over the place for a bit, and then uh, they sent me back to – Lehigh to build up and get the pitch count up to actual starters pitch count. Um, and then Eflin hurt his knee. So then I just filled in that role and I'm not sure if that was planned um, to go back and, you know, do the 85 to hundred pitches in the big leagues, or if that was forced from Eflin. But um, I mean, for the most part it was starting and, uh, yeah, that's that's it. So, I mean, Spencer Howard pretty much saying right there when when they ask him what was your role, and he basically said I didn't really know my role. Like and and the Phillies did do a lot of this where they clearly viewed him as a starter it seemed. They clearly wanted him to be a starter, but it was clear to pretty much everybody else that this guy was best suited at at least this point in his career to come out of the bullpen. Like maybe down the line Spencer Howard could be a starting pitcher, 
But at this point in his career, when he's having these kind of issues where he can only last two, three innings, and then he falls apart, that he was best suited to be a relief pitcher. And I, judging by those comments, I kind of think you can surmise that he sees it the same way. That he also sees himself as a reliever because he alluded to being yanked back and forth and being in the bullpen. Now, I'm not going to totally absolve Spencer Howard here. I think Spencer Howard is, you know, uh, is soft and he does like to embellish certain situations. I think that's that's obvious as well. But uh, there's no doubt that he was a little confused about what his role was here. Here's more from Spencer Howard on, uh, you know, it just being a tough time with the Phillies. Yeah, it was tough to uh, to try to find a routine in there. I I did my best to just focus mostly on <clears throat> what I could control, you know, arm care routine and weightlifting and stuff like that to try to just be prepared for whatever they threw at me. Um, but even then, like, uh, it's just a, it, it was a tough go up there. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> I mean, that little laugh at the end, Spencer Howard is obviously very happy to not be with the Phillies organization anymore. And when I look at the Spencer Howard situation, I think it's emblematic of a bigger problem here. And, like, again, I don't think Spencer Howard is the best messenger because I do think, you know, there were things he could have done differently and he could have responded better mentally. Uh, and, you know, I think he may have contributed to some of the problems that he had, but it's impossible to ignore the Phillies' mishandling of this situation. And it's not surprising considering their mishandling of many situations with their prospects where you look at this farm system over the last decade it's as bad as it as it can be in baseball I mean who have they developed really I guess you can look back and say in the last 15 to 20 years what quality players have they truly developed since like Cole Hamels you know Dominic Brown was supposed to be this this, you know, great prospect at once at one time, I believe, was the top prospect in all of baseball totally flames out. Um, what guys have they been able to develop and get to the major league level where they have been star players? I mean, you look at a guy like Alec Bohm right now, obviously very early on in his career, but struggling big time, especially with the pitchers where they have been unable to develop pitchers and this kind of mishandling of them cannot be ignored here. And Spencer Howard is just the latest in a long line of situations that it seems like the Phillies have botched. And time will tell. Like, we'll see if he ends up being, you know, a good, effective starting pitcher or a closer or whatever his role ends up being in Texas. But there's no doubt the Phillies could have, have handled this thing better here. And when I look at when I look at this situation, it just is the latest in a long line of prospects that the Phillies haven't handled properly. And I mentioned this the other night, but like just as an illustration of how bad this farm system is, the Phillies in that deal with Texas, in addition to Gibson and Ian Kennedy, 
they get this other kid, Hans Kraus, who is a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's going to go to double A, and he's going to pitch in Reading for the time being. He was the 19th-ranked prospect in Texas. He gets to the Phillies, and he's the fourth-ranked prospect in their system. I mean, think about that. Think about how low your farm system must be regarded in the major leagues when this guy makes a jump from 19th to 4th. And we're not talking about, you know, a premier organization here. We're not talking about an organization like the Rays or the Dodgers that just churns out prospects year after year after year. We're talking about the Texas Rangers. And this guy jumps from 19th to 4th? You know, you look at a situation like the Tyler Anderson deal with Pittsburgh that fell apart because of one of the Phillies players' medicals, and basically Dombrowski says, yeah, I mean, there's no other guy we could replace. There's no other prospect of a similar level that you could just throw into that deal to get that Tyler Anderson thing done, and that would have been like a significant difference-making move for the Phillies considering their starting rotation. Like, they just needed another average starter, and Tyler Anderson would have been a nice addition for them. But they have no other prospects that the Pirates wanted. You look at the the Craig Kimbrell thing that we had discussed for weeks about could the Phillies get him to come in and be the closer. Well, the Cubs basically said, we have interest in Mick Abel, your top prospect. And if you're not trading him, we don't care what else. We, we don't want anybody else in your entire system. I mean, the number one overall pick from five years ago, Mickey Moniak, has absolutely no trade value around baseball. I, it, 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 is he just a complete bust, Dan? Like, he has no value, right? None. No, because they have. he hasn't played up to what you would expect out of a number one overall pick to this point. It's been five years. I don't know if it's... At this point, he's a bust. I'm not telling you that Mickey Moniak will never do anything, but he doesn't have. I'm the... tell, I'll, I'll tell you that. I will guarantee that. you. Okay, so you can get you know all you want. He's never. I will say that he will never be anything close to what his pick value was. Maybe he's a fringe guy on some major league roster at some point, but that's not a guy that you're gonna throw in in a trade to get anything of value at the trade deadline. And like, it's clear that like Moniak was a bad pick, but also. The fact that the Phillies can't get anything out of him and they can't develop him at all, and the issues with this with this farm system, Spencer Howard's just the latest example of it. Well, that's where I really struggle, and I wasn't earlier trying to be like the Spencer Howard apologist here and saying, well, he's going to go somewhere else and just figure it out because I do Sp- think he, he I think a- he's contributed to it. So I I would agree. He's, he's a wuss. He's a wuss. He's a wuss. He has contributed to it, and the comment about. Running to first base was ridiculous, and the other night he has to run the bases and then his velocity falls off. I'm not telling you that he isn't soft, but it's so hard to expunge the Phillies from blame here when time and time again they're the common denominator and they never get anything out of prospects who, not just within the Phillies organization, around baseball have some value, and they just plummet year after year after year, whether it's Moniak, whether it's Spencer Howard, whether it's every last draft, whether it's Adam Hazley, every last draft pick they've had over the last, I mean, forever, but even recently last decade, 15 years, whatever, never seems to pan out. And if they do get anything out of their major league careers, it isn't here. Yeah, and and I think when, when you look at it, and that's the problem with the organization right now, and there are a lot of problems, but... The fact that there's nothing in your farm system that you can bring up and that you can trade 
is is a massive issue with this team. And it's it's certainly concerning. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I want your reaction to Spencer Howard comments and whether you think he has a point. Like, it, this one's tough for me because I certainly think the Phillies are at fault. And the Phillies, just their history with their prospects um, does not give you a reason to defend them at all. But at the same time, I'm also not going to, you know, be the Spencer Howard guy here. Because I am happy to see him go. I do think uh, he is he is as mentally weak as they come. And, uh, you know, this is a tough one to truly analyze. I think both um, the organization and Spencer Howard had to deal with this. But there's no doubt the Phillies handled, handled this guy poorly. Yeah, and if, if he—look, I say it somewhat facetiously that I think he's going to play well somewhere else. I, it probably is— re- as, is as a reliever. I think he actually has value as a reliever, not as a number one pitching prospect. But good for him because he's clearly happy to be gone. It's probably what's best for him too. To... Good for him, not good for him. I mean, well, if Spencer Howard, shut up. I, look, he's happy to go, and if he has any type of career, it's going to be gone. Yeah, well, I don't have the same type of dislike. Like your level of dislike with Spencer Howard is how I feel about, and most people feel about Carson Wentz. Well, no, I'm just so annoyed with how the Phillies handled him. But that's not true. I I honestly don't care that much about Spencer Howard. It's I like, know, I know, but but he, he is annoying. He's he very, is annoying, but it's going to be more annoying if he leaves and like they, the Rangers get something out of him. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I mean, and and they might, um, but uh, he. he he was also part of his problems here, but Spencer Howard and the Phillies, they're both to blame. And, and uh, yeah, the Phillies, the Phillies farm system is certainly a problem. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. Time to squeeze in a few more calls if you want to. Uh, 215-592-9494. Nine four nine four. Before we uh, talk to Al for the overlap show in the next segment, uh, we'll kind of recap what we've been discussing, and also we'll we'll get to the Ben Simmons situation and where things stand right now. And I'll play you some sound from the uh, Hoop Col- Hoop Collective podcast uh, where they addressed everything going on with Ben Simmons. So we'll get to that coming up next here. Um, but I did want to mention something weird real quick. Uh, First off, what I forgot to mention with the Phillies right now is they're dealing with injury situations. Uh, Reese Hoskins um, has missed, the, I believe, the entire Pirate series with an injury. And Andrew McCutcheon uh, had to leave um, Saturday night's game with an injury. And basically, Joe Girardi's updates are Hoskins, they think he's trending in the right direction. Uh, and they believe he'll be back sooner rather than later. Kind of sounded like Hoskins has a chance to play tonight. Um, but McCutcheon, it did not sound very good. It sounded like it could be an IL situation, um, for Andrew McCutcheon. And, you know, that would just be another, be another blow. I mean, the Phillies don't end up getting a bat that can play the outfield. They get Freddie Galvis, uh, who makes his return. Um, but they do not get an outfield bat. And now you're probably looking at, um, you know, Travis Jankowski getting more playing time. Odubo Herrera stay in the lineup. And, uh, you know, maybe you play Brad Miller a little bit in the outfield here. But uh, Philly's uh, suffering some blows there. And I did want to talk about – and, Dan, maybe you can help me out with this a little bit because I'm not as plugged in. I Like, I don't really understand a lot 
with the Major League Baseball draft. I'm not that in on it. I pay attention to the NBA and NFL, but baseball draft, you know, they have like, what, 50-some rounds. It, you know, you never see these guys for, for years and years. But what's going on with the Mets where they draft this kid Kumar Rocker who I thought was one of the top prospects, and I think it was surprising that he even fell to the Mets at 11. Now they're not going to sign him? Yeah, so the way the baseball draft works is you don't necessarily, not every guy necessarily gets signed. Now, there's a variety of different situations, and I don't know exactly what's going on here, uh, why they're not signing him, but I saw this story kind of running across the monitor uh, here tonight. Basically, guys don't always sign. Like, there's always a, that actually affects, that's often talked about with draft guys like whether they're going to sign or not, guys can oftentimes say, I'm going to stay in college. Usually when you draft guys out of high school, there's a a worry that they might go to college overcoming to the majors. So unlike the NBA or the NFL draft, whereas if you, if a guy in the NBA, like if a guy in college says, I'm going to the NBA draft and you take him, it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to put, like no one says, all right, I'm headed back. Like that never happens. He's not going back to college. In major league baseball, you can literally team choice player choice choose not to sign the guy and apparently there were some medical issues i believe this case was medical issues that they were not either aware of or fully privy to because i saw scott boris who was is now kumar rocker's agent putting out a statement that basically we believe he's healthy the mets have some health concerns so he is not going to sign with the new york mets so he's effectively now a free agent. Now, what I don't get though is that apparently he's got to re-enter next year's draft. Like, why does he? Why does he have to do that? Why isn't he free to sign with whoever he wants? Yeah, I guess it's because that doesn't seem fair to me. Like, so now that you have to like wait around. So, so I think there's. Wait. I believe, and I don't want to speak out of turn here, and I actually have to look more into this specific aspect of it. I believe that if it's determined that the Mets, so usually if a guy doesn't sign. Like, it, the choice is either you sign with the Mets or, in this particular case, you sign with the Mets or you just go back to college or you go back to the pros. Because then, if a minor league prospect or a college prospect, rather, say you got drafted by the Phillies and you're just so sick of seeing guys going to the minor leagues with the Phillies and you don't think your career is going to pan out there, you could say, I don't want to sign there and just try and force your way to another team. If it's the team's decision and they're proclaiming that there's medical issues that aren't really there. I would think, and again, I'm going to double check on this, that maybe Scott Boris or the powers that be could prove that the Mets didn't sign him for some, like, inc- like if the Mets made this decision and Major League Baseball says, no, you should have signed him, it was fine, then maybe he could. But usually, yes, you have to go re-enter the draft because the options are you either go play for the Mets, that's your Major League option, or you have to wait around and you're eligible to enter next year. Okay, so, I mean. As I, I understand it. Okay. Now, I just I just think he should be able to go sign with whoever he wants. Like I, I think Well like so, so do you understand why in a regular situation if like yeah. like you should have to wait a year? Right, but in this situation In this particular I don't case, think he should. And I don't know the, enough of the medical history to say who's really like are the Mets overreacting or cuz basically Boris is saying he's fine, the Mets are saying he isn't. Right. So I don't know who's telling yeah. the truth and who's lying. In this situation, I don't think he should have to wait. I think he should be able to go sign with whoever with whoever he wants. Um so yeah, it's a weird situation uh, with the Mets and their their top pick right now. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in in the final segment of the show. 
Um, we'll kind of let you know what we've been discussing. And also, uh, I do want to get to the Ben Simmons uh, issue as NBA free agency starts today. Already a couple things are, are in the works. So we'll update you on that when we get back. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another few minutes here. If you want to get into 15-592-9494. Talking about the Eagles earlier on. Jalen Hurts, who's been up and down at camp so far. Your feelings on him going into the season. Talking about the Carson Wentz injury and how that could impact um, the Eagles and will impact the Eagles if he misses time here uh, over the next a uh, few weeks he's going to wait. He suffered a foot injury at practice, second practice of Colts camp, and for now is going to see if it heals on its own and try to avoid surgery, but we will see how that goes. And obviously Eagles need him on the field for that to become a first-round pick. So um, we will monitor that situation in the coming days. Um, Phillies, they lose two of three to the Pirates. Uh, they start a four-game series of the Nationals tonight, and theoretically, this should be a series where the Phillies can go and beat up on a bad team who's literally just traded, I mean, a ton of their pieces. Scherzer and, um, you know, Trey Turner, Josh Harrison, they traded a ton of their guys, and you'd think the Phillies could go in there and win, but you would have thought they'd go in and beat the Pirates in two or three. So uh, an opportunity for the Phillies. We'll see if they can take advantage of it. Ranger Suarez starting tonight. Now, I do not like this move. I think it is a bad decision by the Phillies. I know they're low on starting options. I'd have ran Matt Moore out there again, honestly. Um, I don't think it's a, a smart move to take from a position of strength and make it a weakness. And now your most reliable bullpen piece, um, you are putting in, and Joe Girardi said he thinks Ranger can give them three innings Okay, I mean, three innings at the beginning of the game is more valuable than a guy you can use late in games. I don't really get that logic, um, you know, but this is the way they're going. Now, Jose Alvarado is really your only lefty in the bullpen at this point, um, and I, 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 I don't like this move. And it's part of why the Phillies needed to go get another starter at the deadline so they didn't have to make a move like this. Uh, but Ranger Suarez will start. Chase Anderson back in the rotation, uh, Matt Moore, and Vinny Velo to the bullpen. Um, so uh, I guess I, I I don't know what Vince had to say Saturday. I didn't get to hear his postgame press conference, but I, I don't believe he he ripped Girardi for taking him out early again this time. So uh, you mean after allowing six runs, right? Yeah. So we we uh, hopefully won't have to see too much more of Vince Velasquez here. Let's go to Greg in the Northeast. What's up, Greg? Hey Tom, how you doing, buddy? Good, how you doing? Listen, man, you know what? Ricky Ricky Ricardo gives you a good cred, man. So it's Ricky if Ricky likes you, I like you. Oh, well, I appreciate it. We well, all, no, we all love Ricky. Yeah, I, I listen to you overnight sometimes because I, I have a habit of not like get, don't just sleep too well unless I hear the radio like in my ear. Okay. And sometimes I listen to some of the stuff you say, but that's okay, you know, because you know you got your opinion, and uh, it's okay. I and I just want to get back to the Philly thing, you know, with Suarez. All right, so what? You know, they have no other options. I mean, Suarez is it, man. I mean, Girardi's right now at the point where he has no choices. 
But so, but Greg, like this 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 hurts what you can do with the bullpen. Like now you're back to using Alvarado in really big situations now. Well, we were hoping Ian Kennedy came in and, and would knock the world out, you know. But obviously, it took 28 pitches to get one strike. Well, Greg, did you understand that? Like, what is he doing using Ian Kennedy in a 13 run game? I I know exactly. I hear you. But uh, you know what? I don't. You know what? Girardi was so used to having you know the man. I mean, he had he had Rivera out there, you know. Right. And basically, he could pitch him for three innings. You know, that was the guy. So, I'm not a Girardi hater, but I don't think he's actually schooled in the National League. Yeah, I think that's fair, Greg. And I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. I I, I think that's that's fair. And it does, you know, when you look at Girardi and his issues handling the bullpen, like, it does make it a lot easier when you have Mariano Rivera. Like, I think that's pretty obvious that when you have the best closer in the history of baseball, that makes your job a, a lot easier. Um, now, I haven't been as critical of Girardi recently um, because this roster is limited in what you can do. Um, but I just I didn't get that on Sunday. I didn't get leaving Gibson in for 113 pitches. I certainly didn't get bring Kennedy in. Uh, to a 13-run game, and you know it's going to end up hurting them in this series. You know they're going to need Ian Kennedy uh, in a few of these games, and uh, using 25 pitches in the ninth inning didn't make a lot of sense to me. You had a lot of other options you could have you could have gone to there, um, and, and I personally didn't get it. But before we get out of here, I did want to get to the Ben Simmons situation because – uh, today's a big day in the NBA. Free agency opens up. Six o'clock is when teams can start negotiating, but it's already started. I mean, reports already on Monday that Kyle Lowry is going to uh, be signed by the Raptors and then traded to the Miami Heat. So that's one kind of target for the Sixers off the books because he's going to end up with Miami. Uh, other notable moves so far – these two, kind of interesting. It's expected they go back to their current teams, but Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul both opt out of their deals. They become free agents. Kawhi almost certainly, a, coming off a torn ACL, he's probably going to go back to the Clippers, sign the, sign the max deal there, and remain uh, with Los Angeles. Chris Paul is likely to go back to Phoenix, but he's going to be an interesting one because there are going to be a lot of teams after him, and... One of the names that I've heard mentioned is New Orleans, that they bring him there as like a a veteran presence. Remember, Willie Green just got that job, who was an assistant with Phoenix and has a good relationship with Chris Paul. So it'll be interesting to see if he ends up going uh, down to New Orleans and and playing there this year. So that's kind of where we are right now with free agency. But... As of now, you know, this Ben Simmons situation, Sixers obviously trying to trade him. They have not been able to make any headway in that regard so far. And I think this is something that hopefully will change over the course of the next week. Teams have plans for free agency. Maybe when those plans fall through, they end up looking in a different direction. But I listened to the Hoop Collective podcast uh, after the draft Thursday night. And they address the Ben Simmons situation. And right now, there's just not a whole lot there. Here's Brian Windhorst on uh, where the Sixers sit right now in terms of dealing Ben. 
one of the mechanisms for them to improve would be to sign and trade Lowry. Philadelphia is a place for that. And I know everybody's mm-hmm. going to jump to Ben Simmons conclusions, but I just, I just don't think there's any traction on Ben Simmons deals. As I talk to teams out there, they talk about what Philly is asking for, and it's almost laughable. The, 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 the and I, some of the stuff has gotten reported, but with, with suffice to say the offers that I have told Philly has made to trade Simmons are so aggressive and outlandish that it makes you walk away saying they're not really trying to trade. Now, I don't believe that. I absolutely think they're really trying to trade him. And I understand why Daryl Morey's price at this point would be high. I mean, you should set your price point pretty high. And obviously, you're probably going to have to come down. But you got to start at this kind of level where you're asking, a lot. Now, there have been reports that they're looking for a James Harden-esque type package. Um, here's uh, Tim McMahon on why he sees that as, as being a crazy price. They, they're trying to get, as Woj put it, a Harden-esque package. When they were willing to give up, they were eager to give up Simmons, you know, plus to get to get Harden. It's like, well, it's, but, come on. That was before let me just say- Astros playoffs. And it's true. I mean, it is pretty funny when you consider the Sixers were trying to trade Simmons for Harden, and now they're looking for the same kind of of deal back. But Daryl Morey is obviously trying to set a price right now that that he knows he's not going to get, but hopefully can get something similar to it. Now, here's more because uh, the the possibility of Ben Simmons staying at this point needs to be brought up. I mean, if you can't get value and you can't get anything worthwhile, you can't just give him away for nothing. And Daryl Morey, I think, knows that this move is going to pretty much determine the course of this franchise and whether they can truly compete for a championship over over the next few years or not. Uh, But if he comes back, I just don't think it would be a very healthy situation. Here's Windhorst and McMahon talking about that possibility. How how can how can you you go forward with Ben Simmons when he's already fragile um, in general, and now he's he's being talked about everywhere. I mean, Woj is talking about just, his his availability on national television the, like it's the, the time of day. The only answer is that Daryl Morey gives zero bleeps about yep. you know chemistry and kind of the human yep. element, but it's just I mean you're just asking for a complete circus if Ben Simmons uh, is on that roster at the start of training camp, much less the regular season. And it would be. I mean, we know what all the questions would be. We know all of the talk that would go on. Here's more from from Tim Bontomps on the gap uh, in what the Sixers are asking for and what they're actually being offered uh, and how how wide it is. What do we know about Daryl Morey, Tim? He is not going to trade a guy at less than what he thinks his value is. And he doesn't mind awkward, uncomfortable situations, right? And uncomfortable roster situations. Like he has proven time and again, this is how he's going to operate. And to your point, Brian, with the way the, 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 the gap between where Simmons' value is in the league and what Philadelphia appears to want in a trade for him could not be wider. And so I've just been saying repeatedly, I just don't see how this happens anytime soon unless that gap shrinks. And, you know, whether that is teams moving their offer up or Maury moving his 
price down, something's going to need to give here. Here's one more with Windhorse and McBann talking about the Sixers and where they feel the Sixers uh, erred in this process. I don't see how the gap shrinks unless Simmons goes and starts playing much better. Well, and that's this my whole thought. scenario makes it harder. So I think their best, their better move would have been to just say we're not – they know that they can't get what they want. So I would just say we love Ben Simmons. We're going to bring him back, and we're going to be even better next year. We were great this year. We're going to be even better. And we're not absolutely not trading Ben Simmons. Don't Which call Darryl, us – Daryl is perfectly capable of lying through his teeth on the record. I mean, yeah, and that so, still might be coming, but let's be well, honest. It's too nobody, late now. nobody's going to, yeah, nobody would believe it. Ben Simmons right. wouldn't believe it. Of course Most not. importantly. So, and this is setting up to be a real awkward situation where Simmons knows they're trying to trade him. And let's not, you know, uh, ignore the fact that Simmons wants out too. Like it's pretty obvious Simmons and Rich Paul or what was the, I think the term was they're in step with every move the Sixers are making. They want out too, but we they, all sides need to brace for the possibility that he might have to come back. Like if they can't do a deal, they can't trade him for D'Angelo Russell. Like that can't happen. So I don't know how things are going to transpire here. I think we'll have a lot more clarity in a week or two once free agency starts, once some of these players start to settle in and some of these teams um, maybe kind of have to go to plan B because maybe Ben Simmons is a plan B or a plan C for some of these teams. Uh, But we'll see. Right now, though, it doesn't seem very encouraging because the things Sixers needed to happen, like Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, guys like that demanding out, It that hasn't happened yet. It doesn't seem like it will. Apparently, trading Russell Westbrook uh, for what the Lakers gave has appeased Bradley Beal, and he doesn't want to leave now. Uh, Lillard, there have been rumors about him wanting out, but until he actually is firm about demanding a trade, they're not going to trade him. So we'll see how it transpired, but, transpires, but it uh, doesn't look great in regards to the Ben Simmons trade market at this point. But that'll do it for the show tonight. Thanks to Dan Wilson for producing next up we'll talk to al for the overlap show this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.